Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 56, and I'm sure you're asking yourself, why the hell are you doing WrestleMania 24? More on that in a moment, but uh, I'm Nick alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm, you know, I've, I'm doing pretty good today, actually. I This was a fun show to watch. I'm in good spirits. I have a glass of wine. Everything is good. Very unexpected bonus episode. Yeah, you kind of sprung this one on me in the past week, and I'm happy to do it. But it <laughs> As was... in, I started making the plan, and then you had to read about it in Twitter messages. <laughs> pretty much. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, cool. Love it. So, Emily... Why are we doing WrestleMania 24? And it, it, it's not for the reason you may think, because it, it does weirdly line up with modern times in one regard. But It does. So um, we have a listener who has been nothing but supportive, and she's been so wonderful in our whole beginning to end of where we are in our podcast, named Stephanie. And we found out through Twitter that Stephanie is battling uh, cancer, and she's been going through some chemo treatments for her cancer, and it's been pretty rough on her. So Nick and I reached out to offer her some support, just know that we're rooting for her on the sidelines. And she said that she has a fundraiser that she's doing to help with some some bills. She left us a little bit of a message, so I'm just going to read her words because she says it a lot more eloquently than I will. Hi there, Butts and Seats listeners. My name is Stephanie, and I am currently in chemo for ovarian and bowel cancer. I am raising money for some particularly nasty bills that have come up during the time. While Canadian healthcare covers quite a bit, it can't cover everything, especially stuff like emergency car repairs. I was lucky enough to have Nick and Emily reach out during this time to ask if they could help, and I almost fell over in shock. They've given me the opportunity to pick a show for them to review for you all. After recent events, there was only one choice. My first mania I saw live, WrestleMania 24. And then she goes on to thank us. But she does have a Twitch stream coming up to support her fundraiser. And, you know, we to pop in and show your support, give money if you can, but mostly to show support. And we will be linking to that fundraiser, the Twitch stream, everything she sent us will be in the description of this podcast. Yeah, and we'll also link it on uh, our, the, I guess, the two main socials we use. Yes, definitely. We'll link it. We'll link it everywhere. You will not hear us shut up about it. We're going to do our best to pop into that live stream. on. It's on September 5th. It's on Labor Day weekend for you people in the United States. And if I didn't say it already, it's on Monday, September 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. I think Canadian Standard Time is CST because she's Canadian. Well, it's just Central Standard Time. Well, she's Canadian. I don't know. Time zones are so weird, man. But we are so happy that she chose this show because, wow, what a tie-in it has with everything. I don't know if she did it intentionally, but if she did... Good choice. <laughs> so if, you're, if you've if you not seen WrestleMania 24 or you don't really know much about it, the reason it's a good tie-in is this show was sold, not entirely, but very largely on, this is Ric Flair's, technically not his retirement match, it is a career-threatening match, but everyone knew. Everyone this, knew. This is the match that people say is like... His last match is Shawn Michaels ending Ric Flair's career. That's that's the whole story around it. It's his last WWE match. Fuck that. <laughs> but that match isn't for a little bit. So Emily, do you want to get into this? Let's do it. You, you feel like you're more ready to get into this than you are some of the nitros. I mean, this was actually a fun show to watch. Anyway, this is WrestleMania 24, live from Orlando, Florida, in the Citrus Bowl. It's funny for a time that is not deemed to be the peak era of wrestling. They're getting just about, if not more, like WrestleMania pay-per-view buys. Also, the names that they have on this, celebrity-wise, like these are big names in 2008 and 2022. I, honestly, I think some of them were bigger in 2022. Well, yes. 
But John Legend opening the show, that's a really big get. Yeah. That And that was really cool. They usually do pretty well with getting people to play America the Beautiful. Ironically, I think the, the one people remember most is the one that went horribly, which we've mentioned before, the DX band. Of course. But yes, yeah, so this this one got just over a million pay-per-view buys. Wow. I think it's like a mi- million, like 24,000, something like that. But... Is this before the network? Yeah, the network was around to WrestleMania 30, so okay. they had a few more. So this show also started with a flyover, which I don't think they do in every WrestleMania. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I guess relatedly, it is hard to do some of them because they are in... They're closed. Yeah, it's yeah that's true. Duh. But I, I'd say most of the open-air ones they do it for. I don't remember if they did it for the two I went to, but I'd imagine so. I love a flyover. It, it happens so quick, I don't think it's worth it. It does happen quick, but they're, it's it's a really cool get. Like, I keep saying, like, they've got some really big gets in this, but, like, having a flyover is always just really cool. So during the, the opening shots, we get our first pretty decent look at the set. What do you think of the uh, WrestleMania stage? Because this is still in the era of them actually building something unique and not just big video wall. <sighs> well, I didn't take note of the like main stage, but I noticed like the palm tree sort of thing is coming over the ring. That's for the lighting rig and to cover the ring in, in case of rain. Oh, oh, smart, because Florida. And we saw how last Florida WrestleMania went. Yeah. <laughs> Got Smojo and a poncho. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I didn't. I didn't really take a lot of note of the stage. I imagine that people were kind of annoyed by the palm trees around the right the ring, though. I forgot if I mentioned this before, but yeah, those big ass pillars do create problems. Yeah, because they block views and they don't sell those tickets as obstructed view. Right? Didn't you get an obstructed view seat once? Yep. Yeah. Uh, actually, twice. Ugh. Yeah, because one time it was like it was workable, and the other time it wasn't at all, and I just snuck down to better seats. Yes, that's the story I remember. And um, listen, if the person had come to their seat, I would have moved, but they didn't fucking show up. What was going on that you just didn't you didn't go? You just decided five hundred bucks was chump change. Yeah, probably more for floor seats. Yeah, God. Then again, that was the WrestleMania twenty nine, so they didn't miss much. It's still WrestleMania. Like, come on. But anyway. So let's try to actually get into this, get into this. Yeah, we got John Legend opening up. Did you take note of any of the, the video they were playing on the uh, on the Tron? No. Well, it was like, we need to encapsulate America. Was there like a bird flying over a cornfield? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I noted the, the, the shots I saw. So you get the Washington Monument. Okay, sure. America. Jets. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. America. Uh, the Iwo Jima statue. Yeah, okay, okay. And, and like a, a, just a Black Hawk helicopter like in the distance. <laughs> so, America, America, war. America, America, war. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there was a particular lack of grain in this. You, usually during these, it's all about that Were there Purple Mountain Majesties? I did not see any. Not one Purple Mountain Majesty. Wow. I, well, actually, I saw them when I, on my trip last week. But. Ooh. I was more focused on John Legend's voice. I love John Legend. He's beautiful. His voice is beautiful. I wrote he did well, but it's John Legend, so you just of course that. he did, yeah. <laughs> also, if you can sing, America the Beautiful is kind of a layup. Oh yeah. Uh, and my uh, my American song and all that hot take is having kids do the Pledge of Allegiance every morning is kind of culty. Do they still do that? I would assume so. Because it is culty, and it's really weird. And I think the whole internet has kind of decided that's really weird. Why do we do that? I mean, as of 2012, they were still doing it. 
Oh yeah, when we were in high school, we were because I was the fucking cult leader in the in the school announcements, saying like, "Okay, kids, it's time to get up, put your hand on your heart, and it's time for the pledge of allegiance." Everybody, look at the dusty ass little flag in the corner. It's not weird. Emily led the uh, flock. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Every morning, I was on the announcements doing that. I am so sorry to my high school. You you start doing your announcements, you just hear new 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 world order. <laughs> oh man! So then we get the opening video package after America's Beautiful. This honestly is where I was like, Stephanie, you smart fucker, because I saw that it was gonna be another fucking Ric Flair retirement storyline. I really in my roads, I was like, Stephanie, I swear to God. <laughs> well, the main crux of the the promo is a lot can happen in a year, which is true. I'm like, yeah, wait till you do the the rest of it in 2021 promo. <laughs> yeah, you'll just do, uh, you'll just recycle fucking discount Jack Sparrow. Oh my God. Yeah. The 2020 and the 2021 WrestleMania, same thing. Ex- like carbon copy. Ugh. But I mean, I like that, that mentality of a lot can happen in a year. Cause like, think about where you and I will be in a year. There's gonna be a lot different for us in a year. Well, we still won't be won't be married, but we'll be very close. Well, actually, in the week. <laughs> actually, by the time, by the time this comes out, we will be. That's true. Yeah, next this time next year we'll be married. We might have a house. We probably won't be living where we are now. And you're pregnant. I'll be pregnant with my fourth child. <laughs> She's not. Let's just uh, <laughs> just note that now. Let's nip that in the bud. <laughs> yeah. See, I did laugh at the amount of Chris Jericho in the video package because he does not have much to do on this show. No, he really doesn't. He's he, in one match. Yeah, he made his big return back in late november early december and they did nothing with him and then yeah he lost to randy orton via jbl interference who was who was still a commentator at the time they had an underwhelming match at the royal rumble and then like he's just here doing this granted you've seen what he does next Mm because he's about to go do the Shawn michaels storyline oh yeah we got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Um, this is a three-team show, but you wouldn't know it. No, and it was kind of jarring when they switched the teams. Well, at least the ECW team of Joey Styles and Taz gets an introduction. I don't think Michael Cole and Jonathan Coachman actually... Oh, yeah, that was Coach. He only, I think he only calls one and a half matches. I have a lot to say about the ECW stuff, though, when we get there. We'll get there. I have a lot to say about but it. But I legitimately think Jonathan Coachman, like, you know, helps call Money in the Bank. And it's more it's more assistance because, you know, there's six people in there. I think he only calls the main event. Why do they have Cole and Coachman calling the main event? Because it, because it, it's a SmackDown But it's the match. main event. That should be Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross. It's not their match. Which made me realize, going through this show, how many of these feuds were on Raw. Yeah. SmackDown really only has the one. No one one really is watching SmackDown this time, I guess. I want to say this is the last WrestleMania where Jim Ross is the main WWE commentator. Really? I want to say it's later this year where they do the draft and they swap Jim Ross and Michael Cole. And I don't know if Cole knew, but... uh, JR, JR did not. JR didn't know until his, his his face appeared on the screen. Yeah. So let's move into our first match of the night. An interesting choice. It is a Belfast brawl between JBL and Finley. Funlech. With Hornswoggle. Ugh. Uh, th- this is a random theme for the night. There's a lot of WCW sprinkled in this show. There really is. It's kind of shocking. But Belfast brawl just means hardcore match. 
Yeah. It's just a fun way to say hardcore match. Yeah, it's it's not it's no uh, Nigerian drum match. God, don't get me started. So, the drums never came into play. So JBL comes out. I don't know what it was. The cow in his theme sounded extra loud in this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I was just I was really looking forward to I it. Think, but, yeah. And during his entrance, we get like two video clips in lieu of a video package. Oh yeah. The hornswoggle angle, basically. Yeah, like clearly they just recycled stuff. They like from like oh from last week's raw. Like they just played yeah. that and changed the little graphic at the bottom. And like last month. You need to have been watching the show to know why the hell this is even happening and who hornswoggle is and why hornswoggle is in a match on WrestleMania. Like, it's a massive storyline. It's a dumb storyline, but it's a big storyline. Yeah, this is the ultimate payoff to the Vince McMahon's illegitimate child storyline. Stupid. Because in the, in the video clip, we see JBL has it on, like, good sources that Hornswoggle isn't Vince McMahon's son. He's Finley's son. <gasps> Why does he have to be anyone's son? Just because he's small? I mean, yeah, pretty much. They they didn't know if they wanted to treat him like, like a, a child or an adult. Good Lord. But I could be wrong and very much, you know, tweet at us if I am. I don't really remember them ever giving a good reason for why Finley had Hornswoggle pretend. Pretend what? That, oh, that Vince was his father? Yeah. Yeah, they. I don't know. Like, it didn't seem to be some revelation that, like, Hornswoggle just found out that Finley's his dad. No, it always seemed to be known. I wonder if yeah, they could... Like, they could have swung it as, like, I'm trying to get your money. Like, there could yeah, have been but, something. but Finley's the face here. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jer- Jerry Lawler kind of notes that, like, he tried to extort him. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah? <laughs> Tax fraud. <laughs> yeah, Vince doesn't know anything about that. No, he would never. I, I did get a little sad when Finley came out because his theme just went right into the music. It didn't give us the classic Finley sting. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't really that memorable in this match. His name is not Finley. He does not love to fight, apparently. No. Actually, that happened later with Chavo, too. They just like... Ooh, dr- Chavo. That's not there. It's not there. Although that one it seemed like an audio error to I me. I kind of feel like it faded in for him, but we'll get there later. So JBL attacks Finley getting into the ring, and these two are working pretty snug, as you can hear and see. Oh, yeah. They go in the ring and the bell rings. Finley throws a bunch of weapons in the ring and then just gets blasted by a trash can. I'll be honest. I was ready for this to come out as a paternity test match, like paternity on a pole match or something. I was ready. <laughs> Ray and, Ray and Eddie again. Yeah, exactly. I don't think JBL wants to be Hornswoggle's dad. But no, he's just like the one that's proving it's this person's kid. I don't know. They would have spun it. Finley also gets worked over with a cookie sheet. And I will admit, I love the basically tin foil weapons. I know it's not, but just the way they, they fold The so dollar easily. store cookie sheets, yeah. yeah. And the trash cans. They just like crumple. I don't know where you even get that kind of flimsy metal. We get a big clothesline from JBL, which is an issue that Big Show also has, where it's like, isn't that just your finisher you just did? Oh. When when your finisher's a simple move, it's like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Big Show can't punch anybody in the face anymore because- That's his finishing move. Yeah. Well, that's just a bad choice. JBL goes to pile drive Finley on the stairs, but Finley backdrops him and works him over with the, with the cookie sheet, including one spot where he holds it up in front of JBL's face and then punches the cookie sheet. <laughs> Simple. Big boot to Finley and JBL works over Finley and you can just hear every single shot. Oh, like, yeah. Jesus. JBL grabs Finley's shillelagh, 
which sounds like a euphemism, but it's no, it's just a good word. I also realized I do not know how to spell shillelagh. I could not tell you how to spell shillelagh. But Hornswoggle distracts him with the kendo stick shot. Finley knocks JBL out with the shillelagh, but JBL falls out of the ring, so Finley can't pin him. We get a Let's Go Finley chant. I'm like, I've never heard that. No? Well, they're not going to chant for JBL. Well, I'm saying, Finley, one, Finley's rarely a face. Two, Finley's rarely over enough to mm-hmm. get a chant like that. Uh, he, he rewards the chant by bringing out a table. Hell yeah. Oh, I f- can't believe I didn't say this at the beginning of the match. When he goes under the ring to get the trash cans and all the uh, other weapons, he throws a trash can blindly into the ring, hits JBL square in the head. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not quite um, Terry Funk levels. But like JBL didn't sell it. Like <laughs> no. no, I just remember that. If we had barely legal, just the trash cans being thrown in, and he got hit Amazing. in the head every single fucking one. He just he blindly lobbed it. I was like, that's the best throw I've ever seen. That was amazing. I know you said you didn't take note of the chant, but did you hear the one when Finley brought out the table? No. They chanted, "We want tables." You he got it. You has. already have it. What's the point of chanting for? It's it's there. You got it. That's dumb. Get <laughs> a big stiff clothesline from Finley. JBL bails the outside and slaps Hornswoggle, which, like, just knocks him out. He is small. Finley goes for a suicide dive, but JBL just hits him with with, with a trash can lid. Like, mid-dive, Finley mm. just falls. It was a good hit, though. Yeah, they, they replayed that one a few times. Yeah. Like, fuck it, look at this. JBL gets him back in the ring, but Finley kicks out. JBL's kind of sorting out the ring. And just grabs a dented trash can and just fucks it outside right at Hornswoggle. It's like, what the Poor fuck? guy. It's getting destroyed. That seemed to be an on-the-fly on move because it was just like, it It was so unceremonious. Oh, so yeah. Just like, just, ah, trash like, can. Like, it made it look like JBL was not happy with his placement on this card. I don't know if that's he, true or not. He might not have been. I mean, he's an asshole, so. Back inside, JBL hits Finley over the head with, with another trash can. JBL goes for the clothesline from hell, but Finley counters with the trash can and then works JBL over with the lid. We get a rolling slam to JBL for a two, which I want to say has some sort of Irish name. Oh, I don't know. Would you believe it? They reused a lot of stuff for Seamus that Finley had. I want to say this is called the Rolling Hills, but that might be what it is for Seamus. The Rolling Thunder. That's a Rob Van Dam move. There's only so many ways you can say rolling and nature. Rolling Thunder is also the name of my favorite roller coaster, which doesn't exist anymore. Where was the Rolling Thunder? It was the old wooden coaster. Six Flags Great Adventure. Ugh, of course you like the wooden coasters. Always made you feel like you might die. Yeah, see, that's why I don't like ro- wooden coasters. I don't like feeling like I could get yeeted out of a roller coaster at any given moment. Back to the match. Finley throws JBL through a table in the most uninteresting way possible. Just like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Threw it. <laughs> Righto. Finley grabs the stairs, but JBL clips his knee with a kendo stick, and Finley falls face first into the stairs, and JBL hits a clothesline from hell for the pin. This was a bit of fun. I mean, it's it's 14 years later, though, and I'm still confused to why this was a WrestleMania feud and yes. why it opened the show. It was a good match. It was a dumb premise. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a way to get two of the guys on. I guess. Finley doesn't have a ton going on going forward, but... This is still in the era of long-ass WrestleManias. This is not nearly the longest, but it felt long. This is pre-pre-show. Because that's also part of the issue oh, with the... this uh, would absolutely be a pre-show match. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. This this belongs on, on the pre-show WrestleMania. That's fair. Not on the main card. But yeah, this is the era before the pre-shows where a, a lot of that... That's where a lot of the length for WrestleManias actually is. 
Cause really? Because we've watched like eight hour WrestleManias. I think it's I think it's with the pre show. It's it's that long. It, it the show itself was probably five or five and a half hours. That's still way too fucking long. This one's basically four. Is what I'm saying. It's not that much. Five longer. and a half hours, six hours is too long for I a don't, televised event. I don't disagree. It's I think, way too fucking long. I think a lot of the issue comes from the pre show because it's okay. You you know it starts at at like five o'clock and then. The first match will be 30 minutes in, and then it's, all right, wait around for a half yeah. hour to an hour, then maybe another match. And it's like, okay, well, I, I don't know when these matches are going on, and I don't I don't care what Peter Rosenberg has to say about, you know, Baron Corbin versus Elias. That's true. It is a lot more just, like, panel discussion. Never forget that was shit. a WrestleMania match. Let's let's move on in this show. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so this are we done with the this match? Yes. This next segment threw me for a fucking loop. So now, I, bear in I, mind. It, it did throw me for a loop as well because I forgot about this. It is 2008. Yeah. Put yourself in the 2008 mindset. The host of WrestleMania is Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Let me say that again. The host of WrestleMania is Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Just what more 2008 thing could happen? It's bizarre. She popped up and I was like, that's how. How and also why, but mostly why. Well, she's here to interview Mr. Kennedy. Which I loved this segment. Because what this segment is, I don't even know what he says. But what this segment is, is Mr. Kennedy screaming in Kim Kardashian's face. And her trying not to laugh. So it was funny. No, what Kennedy says is he's going to be the first person to win Money in the Bank back to back. Because he won last year. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, he did not get to cash in his briefcase last year. Because of a lot of reasons. Um, Undertaker was suddenly hurt and they needed him to cash in. And they're like, oh, you have a shoulder injury. We're going to have you lose this to Edge. Oh. And then but he it, lost the, be- the, the, the briefcase? Bri- yes. Oh. I think he's the only person. No, he's not. That's actually, dumb. he was the only person to do that until Otis lost it to The Miz. Fucking Otis. Then after Edge had already cashed in, I think he lost it on a Monday. Edge cashed in on a Tuesday. <sighs> and on like Wednesday or Thursday, they're like, oh, wait, your shoulder's fine. So they fucked over Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> yep. And then he was going to be Mr. McMahon's illegitimate son. Oh my god, this poor man. Well, then he, um, the Chris Benoit tragedy happened. He went on television and is like, I have never taken steroids. Liar. Ma- massive scandal, and now he is the the image of, of WWE's hypocrisy. Oh, poor Mr. Kennedy. Uh, so he got suspended, and it's like, nope. That's such a shame, because don't you love him? He is one of my boys. That's such a shame. He's looking very small compared to uh, his 2007 self. Well, yeah, he stopped taking steroids. But anyway. Yeah, he does scream Kennedy in her face. But you can tell that she's trying not to laugh. Like, Oh, no, she fucking corpses. Oh, my God, yeah. I love it. This is so basic white girl of me. But 2022 has given me an entirely new perspective on Kim Kardashian to where I kind of like her. I'm watching the new Hulu show, and I know the whole point of the Hulu show is to make them more relatable and likable. Whatever. It's working. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> she's funny. Not in, like, a comedian sense, but just, like, a relatable sense. She just always comes off so robotic to me. But she doesn't in the Hulu show. She has, like, more of a personality. But she's still so brand new she's to the world, She's not robotic. Though. She's wooden, I would say. She's wooden. She's not warmed up to the world yet. Well, Kennedy did the interview for his match, which is next. It's the Money in the Bank ladder match. Ooh. So there's one man not in this match who we'll talk about first. And there were some rumors that he was supposed to win this match. But then he got suspended and had to drop his title to Chris Jericho and uh, then be pulled from the match. That man was Jeff Hardy. That doesn't shock me. 
Yeah, unfortunately not. No, it really doesn't. But the people in this match is John Morrison, Carlito, Sheldon Benjamin, CM Punk, Mr. Kennedy, MVP, and our WCW reference, Chris Jericho. Jericho. So SmackDown and ECW start chiming in. They don't get any sort of actual introduction here. But it's like, oh, here's Joey Styles and Taz. Which is another Butts and Seas podcast reference, you yeah. know, ECW. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I hear Jonathan Coachman, and I'm like, I forgot you were the SmackDown color commentator yeah. at this time. I think there's a reason you forget. In a character moment, Kennedy runs under the ladder because, like, ooh, bad luck. Oh, is he like that? Yeah. Mr. Kennedy is very much the Dane Cook of this era. Ooh. It's the best way I can describe him. Beloved in his time, but then immediately like, ooh, why do we like him? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Did you like the inflatable tunnel for MVP for his entrance? Yes, I did. I actually liked MVP's entrance a lot. Yeah, it's one of those where like, you see it and you get it immediately. Oh, yeah. So everyone's in the ring, match starts, everyone besides MVP goes for a ladder. He waits for someone to throw in a ladder and then knocks everyone off the apron trying to get in. He weaponizes ladders to a masterful degree. <laughs> yeah, MVP just waits for someone to get in and then just like, nope, knock you off the apron. John Morrison throws a smaller ladder at Chris Jericho and then... He just chucks it. Yeah, and then he grabs the small ladder and goes to hit a moonsault up top while holding the ladder. But the ladder opens. Yes. It's like, ooh. Yikes. It's like a That's little step ladder. That's where it gets ladder. scary. Yeah. Morrison then rides a ladder onto the setup ladder in the ring. Kennedy sets up for a ladder superplex to John Morrison. But Shelton Benjamin hits a sunset flip powerbomb to Mr. Kennedy, taking both men down in a ladder tower of doom spot. I thought that was a cool spot. Benjamin climbs up the ladder and Carlito tips the ladder that Benjamin's on. And <sighs> Shelton Benjamin lands both feet on the top rope and just like, it's like, nope. Yeah. Pushes the ladder back into Carlito and then goes to jump onto it. He lands it, but the ladder just like crumples. Yeah. Like, it was bad. not his fault. No, it was the latter, but it was still, it looked painful. Yeah. It just looked like it hurt. CM Punk takes Shelton Benjamin off the ladder and, and hits a GTS. Kennedy hits a running Green Bay plunge, which is also the same as that Finley move with like the Rolling Hills, onto Punk on a ladder, and it looked sore. <laughs> so there's a ladder set up between the barricade and the ring apron, mm -hmm. and Shelton Benjamin has his ladder tipped forward, and he just... Takes a flat back, like, flip bump onto the ladder, and the ladder just yes. breaks in half. And then they cut back to, um, I think it was Carlito and someone else, but Carlito's face. They're like, oh, shit, what the did we do? oh, shit face on Carlito when that happened. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> I think they actually thought he might be hurt for a second. It didn't look good. I think that's him out of the match. And that's the last note I have about him. So John Morrison climbs the ladder and Chris Jericho maneuvers him into a Walls of Jericho type move with the ladder. On top of the ladder, right? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he breaks that out every now and again, but yeah. On top it, of the ladder? Yeah. I mean, That's impressive. I mean, only when it's a ladder match, but yeah. Well, no shit. That's just so skillful. Scary, but skillful. Jericho and Kennedy fight on two ladders. Punk and Carlito both springboard onto them. Kennedy hits a mic check from the top rope onto Punk, which didn't look all that spectacular. And then Carlito hits a backstopper on Jericho, which also... Th that one can't look spectacular from that height because you're either going to shatter the person's back or your knees. Ugh. There's no one left in the ring and MVP climbs the ladder, but is stopped by an interfering Matt Hardy who runs so through the crowd. this got me for a couple of reasons. So one, he got to the top of the ladder with like time to spare. He could have grabbed that briefcase and been done with it. Second, I thought that was... Morrison. 
No. Right. I like really wrote in my notes. Like, here comes Morrison. Wait, no, Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah, the story of this is Matt Hardy got hurt uh, mid feud with MVP because holy Jesus, Matt Hardy and MVP feud for what honestly start to finish might be a year. Like they team up at one point and just to like MVPs, you know, in an old like keep your friends close and your enemies closer oh, yeah. kind of thing. They do multiple like random bullshit on pay per view and like Saturday Night's main event where they do like a pizza eating contest. They do um, why? I think they do a beer drinking contest. They do a uh, they do a, a boxing match where MVP's like, oh, I'm hurt, so you have to fight a Vander Holyfield. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So Matt Hardy climbs the ladder, hits a ladder twist of fate on MVP. And then bails. I was glad he did not pull a Brock Lesnar and just like, yeah, this is my I briefcase. I would have been annoyed if he had. So there's a weird spot where one ladder is like inserted into another ladder, creating an yeah. L. And then Morrison tries to climb the vertical bit while Jericho and Carlito way down the other side. Which made me so nervous. Then Morrison gets dumped crotch first onto the top rope and falls to the floor while his ladder crashes with CM Punk. I'm sure he wasn't. But while he, when Morrison was on the floor on the outside, I swear he was laughing. He looked like he was laughing. It, it might have been a, a laugh of just like, oh, I landed all the way on my nuts. Fuck. Yeah, maybe. Jericho climbs the ladder, but Carlito spits an apple in his face. I spit in the face. People who are not cool. I, I, I'm glad you knew that because... Oh, yeah. Well, because like if you... Well, I, I know, know Carlito. Because they don't, you don't see him take a bite. You just see him climb see him and... Bleh. <laughs> no, I know Carlito. I know his whole apple thing. Kennedy pushes Carlito... Off and in a mirrored spot from the year before, Punk hits him with the ladder from the ground and knocks Kennedy off the ladder. If you know how the la- last year's finished, like that is like the identical but reverse. So it was a nice little oh, spot okay. there. I think Joey Styles does note it on commentary too. Jericho hits a code breaker on a ladder from Punk. It was just like a weird thing of like, okay, I'm going to pull you into a ladder. The ladder's going to smash into my knees. <laughs> and then Jericho climbs and Punk stops him. It's like, no, you just did the move where you take Punk out. Right. So the two fight atop the ladder. They're both kind of pawned for the briefcase. Jericho hits Punk in the face of the briefcase, which knocks him down a few steps. And Punk pulls Chris Jericho's leg through the ladder, trapping him upside oh. down, while Punk grabs the case and wins the match. This was a really good Money in the Bank match. Yeah, I, we didn't note him a lot, but in the first half of this match, Sheldon Benjamin is all over the place. He is. Yeah, I really didn't take a lot of note on him other than, like, the painful-looking botch and the fall off the ladder onto the other ladder. From the ladder to the ladder. Lots of ladders. So, yeah, this is uh, the first of Punk's two back-to-back Money in the Bank wins. I thought it was funny that Mr. Kennedy is like, I'm going to do it. And then Punk, the guy who who wins, wins next year, too. Good. Uh, Punk will go on to cash in on Edge in a few months. It's, like, right after they do the draft. And it's like, Mm. oh, both champions are on... Smackdown. Can't have that. And and Edge literally comes out to be like, sucks to be raw. And then Batista comes out, kills him, and Punk cashes in. Good. Uh, thoughts on the match itself? I love this match. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. they. I think it was the right winner, too. Mm-hmm. Even, even with his lackluster reign to come, Jericho did not need the win. No, and Punk didn't do a ton in this match, though. No. But, like, he's a good winner to have cash in. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, this, this was probably the fourth best one of the four that had happened, but mm-hmm. that kind of speaks more to the quality of the other three. Yeah. But yeah, this was a very fun match. Definitely. Yeah, I like this one a lot. We then go backstage. John Cena, Randy Orton, and Triple H are getting ready for their match later tonight. Just kind of random shots. Just hanging out, being bros, guys being dudes. 
And then we get our Hall of Fame video package. I felt pretty early in the night to do this, but I... It did feel a little early. But I guess you had to do it before Flair's match. Yeah. So at this time, Ric Flair was the only, like, active WWE wrestler to ever be inducted in Mm. the Hall of Fame. Okay. Why was that? Just, I mean, it was a little bit of... They didn't really do the Hall of Fame until, like, 2004, 2005. I think they, they did, like, one random class in, like, 94 or something. Because uh, I think Andre the Giant goes in at some point way in the past and then like 10 years go by and then they actually go, okay, let's do a Hall of Fame. And then it's working through the back catalog okay. of everybody and it's like, okay. like That's fair. Yeah. And it was just also similar rules to regular other sports where it's like, okay, if you're active, you kind of can't be in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of the whole point. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm asking why they chose to put Ric Flair in while he was still active. It's because he's retiring tonight. But also, he's not. Yes, he is. In ring work, but he's he's still on WWE TV. He gets Lacey Evans pregnant. <laughs> he's not done. He is going in as a wrestler. Mm, semantics. I mean, uh, Mick Foley went in the Hall of Fame. Did, did you have a problem with him being GM? He was done for a while. Let's, let's he gonna... didn't do shit. Yeah, and Ric Flair didn't, didn't show back up on TV for a while. Did Mick Foley go to another company after he retired? Yes. Retired? Oh, Mick. Oh, wait. He retired and came back like three times, so you got to yell at Mick Foley, too. But by the time he went into the Hall of Fame, had Uh, he already retired and come back a bunch of times? Yes. God damn it. Uh, He went into the Hall of Fame and within two years was in TNA, I want to say. Mick, you're ruining my argument. You need to be consistent. I know you're annoyed with Ric Flair, but... (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Uh, So the other members of the Hall of Fame got a couple of WWE mentions in here. Uh, it was Gordon Soley, Eddie Graham, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, who you probably know Jerry Briscoe. Oh, more I than do Jack. know Jerry Briscoe. One of the Stooges. Yes. Mae Young. Who had the best moment later on when they're all on the stage. A basically dual induction of Rocky Johnson and High Chief Peter Maivia, which um, I'll talk about that in a second. And then, yeah, the headliner is Ric Flair. And it does seem like they put Rocky Johnson and Peter Maivia in just to get The Rock to show up. Probably. Based on, like, everybody else who's kind of gotten inducted over the last couple years, like, it it did seem like kind of two random ones. A little bit. Because, like, listen, they had both had, like, good careers, but, like... Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, if they they were both left out of the Hall of Fame, I don't think people would really bat too much of an eye. I did love seeing The Rock's mom get all teary-eyed, though. I thought that was very sweet. So they didn't show it in the package, but on the on the night of the Hall of Fame, they did like tease a little bit of Rock versus Cena. Did they? Yeah, Rock came out and just like talked shit about Cena now being like the top top, top guy. Good. Everybody comes out. The Fink announces them. Love seeing him. Good old Howard. I should say everybody comes out because we get another little WCW cameo here. Because Rick's <laughs> getting ready for his match, they have Ric Flair's family come out to you know wave to the crowd. And we get a David Flair sighting. Yay. Yeah. It's David, Megan, Reed, and Ashley. Yes. Who, you were like, where's Charlotte? I'm like, that's her. You're like, what? Charlotte Flair and Ashley Flyer are different people. They are different people. Charlotte has an entirely different face, entirely different body. They are different. Not on the note of the flares. Do you want to tell everybody what what Mae Young did when, uh, (laughs) when, when, when they panned over to her? When they announced May Young, she like walks forward a little bit, starts to take her sweater off, starts to like do a little strip tease. Yeah, um, Eddie Graham's son, Mike Graham, has to come over to like stop her, like put her sweater and, back on. And I'm sure Mike Mike Graham is important in the world of wrestling, but 
he has been immortalized in wrestling internet culture thanks to OSW. Because he is the guy who, talking about Jeff Jarrett, says he broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. Oh, okay. So he is never drew a dime guy. Okay. And that's the only way I could ever see him is him doing the shaky head, never drew a dime. But Mae Young is like 90 years old in this too. Yes. And she's crushing it. She looks great. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much the Hall of Fame. Just, you know, nice little come out and wave. Yeah, I thought it was nice. We'll we'll get the big Hall of Fame moment later. Seeing all four Flair kids is always nice. It's nice to see them all happy and together. Let's move on. Go backstage to Todd Grisham introducing Snoop Dogg. Who is sorry? Who? I, what? Well, that's what Todd Grisham says. I want to say. <laughs> sorry. It, it's the it's the motherfucking D O double G. Oh no! It's Snoop the Dog. <laughs> oh wait, hold on. We'll get to that because I heard I heard something different. Oh, okay. Snoop Dogg is the MC for the Playboy match later, which I'm sure your uh, ears perked up when you heard like, that. I'm like, sorry, what? a fucking Playboy match? But Excuse me? This has become like an annual WrestleMania thing. God. I think this I think this is the last one, though. Lord fucking save us. Snoop Dogg says that he found someone just like him, and it's Festus, who is the uh, simple country boy character, who you may recognize as also being Luke Gallows and also recognize okay. as being fake Kane. He looked familiar. I didn't know how he looked familiar, but I didn't recognize the character. I think this is in the time where they're slowly phasing out or have already phased out his tag team partner. Because like, we like this gimmick. We don't need the random other mm. country guy with him. So Santino Morella interrupts and I heard Mr. Snoopy the dog. It might be that. I heard Snoopy dog. I like both of them. He starts to threaten Snoop who grabs a ring bell and rings it so Festus chases Santino off. In a spot, I imagine, confused you a little bit. Uh-huh. Festus' whole gimmick is... Awakened by the bell or whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've ba- gathered. And the, credit to uh, the Miz and Morrison for making that gimmick work in a match where he was clean in house and then, like, John Morrison went over and like, rang the bell in the middle of the match. So he went back he to being... He turned off. Yeah. And, like, the Miz pins him and it's like, hey! That's smart. Snoopy dog. The problem is he can only do that spot once. Yeah. So Festus chases Santino off and then Mick Foley comes in and makes me sad. Yeah, Mick, where are you Mick's here to do Snoop talk and has Mr. Sacco drawn up to look like Snoop. Yeah, Mick, I love Mick Foley so much, Cred- but buddy, you don't need to be here. Credit credit to them for not making it a black sock. Okay, yeah, it could have been worse. You're right, but... This is not quite as bad, I don't think, as uh, a future segment with Santino and Mick Foley in WrestleMania. Sacco versus Snako? Yeah, but they're smashing crabs for, like, deadliest catch or something. What? I don't. This is 2011 is a hell of a drug. <laughs> We're saying that watching 2008. So let's, let's just get out of that segment. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Snoop a dog. Uh, it's the Battle of the Brands. Smackdown's Batista versus Raw's Umaga, or as Raw GM William Regal says every single time. Umanga. No, it's, he says Umanga. Oh, okay. Umanga. Uh, well, we, William Regal is our WCW reference here. <laughs> That's the closest I got. Uh, SmackDown has Teddy Long come out, despite the fact that Vicky is the GM. I think it's because Teddy's the babyface and Vicky's the heel and Batista's a babyface, so you want to have him get cheered when he comes out. Fair. And if I recall correctly, I couldn't find anything concrete on this. I'm pretty sure Batista is kind of pissed off about his spot on this card. Well, I mean, you can disagree with me. This is a boring hell as hell match. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't so, say boring as hell, but it's not terribly interesting. I have three notes on it. I could well, not have cared less about this match. I mean, I think part of it is 
it's a cold feud. It's ooh, SmackDown and Raw. Like, I mean, it, it's better than nowadays where the draft changes the brand all the way. Yeah, but yeah. It's like there's just not much going in here. Like, like both these guys, you know, can go. So I don't. I think it's just like, oh, okay. There's no reason for me to get hype about this match. No. It's two big boys. Yeah, I did write big boy match. Yeah, and you know how I feel about big boy matches. And did you know who was on commentary for this? No. It's Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler, oh. not Jonathan Coachman. I'm like, she's anything to not have Coach on here. Well, he's not a good commentator. Well, it's also a battle of the brands, so I guess it, may, it, it was either Cole and King or Jim Ross and Coach. And... Yeah, I guess this was the lesser of the two evils. We get a spin kick from Umaga early on. I almost instinctually called him Umanga. Umanga. Uh, a splash to Batista's back as Umaga's game plan is just seems to be to work that over so Batista can't lift as much. We get a nerve hold from Umaga and immediately goes Magda. Umaga goes to the second rope with Batista pretty far across the ring. Umaga tries for a diving headbutt, but Batista moves. Umaga hits his very snappy Samoan drop, which I love. Mm. You got nothing for this match. Today. I really have nothing. It was it was a very standard match for me. Umaga goes for the Samoan spike, but Batista avoids it. Umaga hits his head on the ring post, and Batista hits a spine buster, and then hits what I wrote as a banana peel bomb. A banana peel bomb? He slips. Oh, does he? Oh, big oh, I time. The slip. Oh, he's falling backwards as he hits it. Oh. Yeah, he he rotates him. The weight just shifts too much, and he's like, "Okay, you're going down now because I can't hold you up." Oh, I missed that. Yeah, uh, pins Umaga, and that's the match. It wasn't offensive. It was just it was it was. Yeah, it was it was flat. The crowd didn't care, and I don't yeah. really blame him. Exactly. It was a big boy match. It was a, bunch, a couple of big guys doing some holds and some slammies, and then we're done. Yeah, I I, I feel bad for both men because both men had a pretty good year leading up to this, and then it's like, yep. Nah, I mean, don't nah, get me nah. wrong; it wasn't a bad match. No, it was just boring. Yeah, we we've seen worse. Exactly. I don't think we feel need to dwell on that too long. Not particularly. At commentary, Jim Ross notes that the Mayweather Big Show match tonight is anything goes, and we see a little tail of the tape running through each man's numbers and. I don't know if they're taking too long or what, but Jim Ross seems to get like very like angry. He's like, it's a mismatch. That's the point. I'm like, okay, I get it, Jim. Relax. Oh, okay. Joey Styles and Taz then check in and chat Mayweather and then recap the pre-show Battle Royal. So there was a pre-show. Or it's it's like the dark match kind of thing. It was for, oh. it, I think, I forget what kind of way it got fully televised, but it, it's not the pre-show as we know it now. Okay. But the Battle Royal, the whole reason we're looking at it was because the winner of this Battle Royal would fight Chavo for the ECW title. Yeah. So obviously a great feud coming into this one. Uh, Kane wins the Battle Royal, last eliminating Mark Henry. Mm. That's what our match is next. For the ECW title, Chavo Mm. Guerrero versus Kane. I'm about to get real angry. Uh, Kane arrives from under the ring, chokeslam pin, new champion, eight seconds. Uh, this was the tell me you don't respect ECW without telling me you don't respect ECW Emily it actually gets worse next year it continues they don't defend the title the ECW champion Jack Swagger will appear on the pre-show as a lumberjack for a different match not even a title match for himself like what's the point like you absorbed the company sure let it dissolve the way that you do let WCW dissolve you're not having a WCW championship just let it die stop trying to resuscitate it it's not a thing. And every time you do try to resuscitate it, you just power, power bomb it deeper into the ground. Like, just stop. You're, you're making a mockery out of this thing. You're making the fans of this feel foolish. Like, this is just offensive. This is I mean, straight up yeah. offensive. ECW is already pretty far from, you know, where it was, you know, two years before, yeah. give or take. Like, 
I mean, the ECW champion last year would, would have been Bobby Lashley, who uh, beat Umaga in the Battle of the Billionaires match. Like, why? Just let it, let it die. Yeah. Be they, done. I mean, you, it's over. You got you got about uh, twenty two months left. It's just, it's sad and it's offensive. And are they still flaunting like, hey, we won like the Monday Night Wars? Is that what they're still doing? Does it have anything to do with that anymore? No. It, 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 to be fair, it was never about that. I guess, yeah, ECW wasn't really part of the Monday Night Wars, but like. Yeah, I mean, they were around that time. But no, it was basically, oh, there's nostalgia to be had for ECW. Let's bring that back. And but then, this isn't adding to the nostalgia. This is making it worse. This is them basically going. We have a third show, and they wanted to change the direction on it because they because they were not they were, they were never going to do ECW television. In this kind of shit is why TNA existed. This is why AW exists. Like there needs to be another company so that the main monopoly doesn't get comfy like this. Because this is what it is. They're getting comfortable. They're like, oh well, we can do whatever the fuck we want with your nostalgia. Fuck you. Yeah. This is a fuck you match. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, all the hardcore ECW fans were already gone. As well they should be. But if all the hardcore ECW fans are gone, what's the point of this? Who is this for? At this point, they had already started rebranding towards it being basically a a shitty beta version of, of uh, you know, like FCW and NXT. They, like, literally the whole thing was like, all right, new superstars start here. ECW should not be where new superstars yeah. start. You're, pre- you're preaching to the choir. and they, I know. Most people kind of think that... WWECW died the second Big Show won the won the ECW championship. I feel like it died the second they started calling it WWECW. They they didn't. Oh, they didn't. No, they, they didn't they, call it that. That's an internet thing. It's oh, okay. just, it's the way to differentiate between real ECW and oh, this. Yeah. yeah, it started off with Rob Van Dam, and then he got busted for drugs. And um, you're telling me that Rob Van Dam does drugs? Uh, what? Yeah, him and Sabu got got pulled over and. Uh, and then immediately, like immediately, lost both belts because he had the WWE title and the ECW title. What's sad is it was probably just weed. I think it was. That's so fucking sad. Yeah. Fast forward to him going, him going into the Hall of Fame. I got these RVD rolling exactly. papers. <laughs> He's doing all right. He's fine. So to put a pin in this, because we, we, me, me describing it, it already went longer than uh than the match itself. It did pop the crowd. And admittedly, yeah. this is this is less egregious to me than Daniel Bryan losing in 18 seconds. I don't know, man. They're both pretty bad. It's all about the expectation. I guess. But I, there's, there's a difference between expectation and respect. Yeah. Like, if you're doing this for nostalgia's sake, it should go more than literally one move. Emily, do you know who was the ECW champion 10 months before this? No. Vince McMahon. Good fucking lord. <laughs> Vince McMahon. We need to move on. I'm Vince gonna McMahon get in a do rag. Oh, um, we need to move Say, the fuck saying on. Saying the n word. Nick, we need to move on, on television. I'm about to turn this microphone off. <laughs> Never forget he did that. I didn't know he did. In no, front of in Nick, front of Booker Nick, T. Nick, you have to stop. To be fair, I might need a minute after the next segment because what the fuck is this pre-recorded comedy sketch of Carlito telling Maria to dump Santino and then he's attacked by a seagull? He seems to murder it and then it sh- and then another one shits on him. I said the whole Carlito thing with the bird is weird and PETA would not be cool with this. Well, I'm guessing these appeared on Raw and SmackDown like beforehand. Yeah. Because there's one later too and it's just like. It's right before the main event. It's like WrestleMania. Wish you were here. Yeah. I'm guessing on the on, in the build that was like this day. But yeah, probably. Yeah. It's just them around Florida. Just I don't I don't get why this was a thing. I'm angry. I'm 
I'm still angry. And then in a confusing moment, we go back to the ring and Raven Simone is here. Again, in case you forgot, it's 2008. Um, she's here to do something with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. They have 50 kids from 50 states. She asked the crowd to, you know, give some applause. And they were polite, I think, but my brain was still in ECW crowd mode. And I'm like, oh, God, it's ready for like a fuck them kids chant. And I'm oh like, my God. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that would happen. We close out with Jerry saying he's a big Raven Simone fan. And I'm like, I'm sure you are, Jerry. How old is she here? She's a, an adult here. I was okay, thinking of That's So Raven. I'm like, how old is she? She was, like, she was like 17 in That's So Raven? 17, 18? I think, yeah, 17 or 18. But I th- wasn't she also like originally on the Cosby show? Yeah, she was the little the little girl in the Cosby show. Yeah, so I'm just like. Oh, Raven. Yeah, sure you are, Jerry. I'm sure you oh, are. Oh, God. Raven's had a hell of a life. What about me? What about Raven? Hey, there. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very different Ravens. What about me? That's so Raven. <laughs> Thank God Raven's not on the, on the podcast anymore because this would become a thing. Of oh I'd be like, Raven hits a DDT. That's so Raven. <laughs> Let's move into a career threatening match. It is Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels. So, Nick, is now a good time for us to talk about the Ric Flair match? Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, no, we're no, talking no. about it. What are, you talk- what, are you doing? what are you talking about? The Ric Flair match. Should yeah. we talk about it here? Yeah, we've been putting it off. I don't think we can put it off anymore. So the, the, the match is Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Ric Flair and Andrade. For what it's worth, in case you missed that, we're not talking about the WrestleMania 24 match anymore. We are talking about the Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, against Shawn Michaels. It's a, it's a retirement match. <laughs> All right, it's I'll... a career-threatening match, excuse me. Yeah, so let's talk about the 2022 Ric Flair's last match. So we are not going to do uh, play-by-play for this match. Uh, no, talk about bringing the room down if we did play-by-play. This yeah. is already going to bring the room down a little bit. Yeah. Was this as sad, more sad, or less sad than you thought it would be? More sad. Especially with the aftermath. Like, knowing what I know now. Yeah, it's... Um... So in, in in full honesty, we did not watch the entire show. We just watched the last match. This match came on while we were on um on vacation. Yeah. So we just excused ourselves for half an hour from family festivities and watched this fucking match. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know how to how to start this because. So r- let's r- start off by saying this match was scary and should not have happened. Yeah. Like full full transparency. We do not endorse this match. This should not have happened. I will say he didn't die. Nobody got hurt. Yeah. Nobody died. So in that case, it was great. And I was correct in my prediction that he did blade. Yes. And I always I predicted that he was going to blade. Yes. Well, I think he said he was going to. Cause, or more or less. Because he's also like, yep, uh, the way I'm going to get through this match is I'm going to drink beforehand. I'm going to like take off my pacemaker. The fact that he faked a heart attack during one point. Yeah. Match, that was terrifying. Right in front of his kids. In front of his kids. And imagine being Andrade. Imagine if that wasn't a fake out and your fucking father-in-law is about to die in front of you. I think the kids would probably have a harder time with that than Andrade, but... But Andrade would probably have, like, survivor's guilt or something. Like, I was in the ring, too. God, that's awful. It's awful. Yeah, so Rick, like, blacks out twice during the match. Uh, I don't think he fully passes out, but he definitely blacks out. Jeff Jarrett has to go on the outside and stall for a little while. He, like, jaws the crowd. He, like, goes to leave at one point and then just, like, really takes a sweet-ass time mm-hmm. getting back. Oh, yeah, and we, we did not note um, the the presence of Karen Jarrett. Also in attendance, The Undertaker and Mick Foley. And Bret Hart. Oh, Bret Hart was there, too. Yep. Oh, wow. DDP appeared on the show in, like, a running capacity. Huh. Yeah, they, there's, a lot, there's a lot of jokes going on about The Undertaker and seeing <sighs> that match and being like, 
no, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm no, good. No, no, no. Okay. Boneyard was a good way to go out. Let's yeah, do that. Let's, just, let's be done there. What really scared me is the amount of blood coming out of a 78-year-old man. I don't even. Old man being thrown around a ring, bumped around, very clearly blacking he out. Took, yeah, he took a suplex at one point. He did. It was like he's like only real bump. And then the fact that he blacked out. But what kills me is in the post of this match where he's like, I wish I remembered it. Yeah, I don't I don't remember half of it, as we said. That breaks my fucking heart. Because that was your last match. That, well, hmm. that he, was your yeah, last match. He like, immediately match. was like, I wish I hadn't said it was the last one. I hate this man. He's going to die in the ring. Like, he wants... I feel like he wants to die in the ring. But just the idea, I don't remember it. Like, that breaks my heart. Yeah. That's just sad. That's where the real sadness comes into this for me. Like, yeah, he didn't look good in the ring, and it was not a good match. But it's just like... What was the point? You don't even remember it. You can't even like relive your glory. You can't remember it. Yeah. I, I think that's why he's saying he wishes he didn't say his life because he wants to remember it and he also wants it to be better. And it was basically, have you seen the clip of like the like World War II veteran in like in like a charity football game, like running the like running the touchdown and like everybody, you know, has to like pretend to not be able to tackle him? No. It it's, sounds sad though. Well, it's meant to be a good, it's meant to be like, like a. Yeah. It's supposed to be like goodwill. Yeah. This is basically what if, what if the guy kind of organized this for himself? Or sorry, what if the guy's son-in-law said, "Hey, do you want to take a victory lap and I'll charge people for it?" Exactly. I don't have the number in front of me, but I remember it got a pretty decent buy rate. I'm sure it did. Yeah. Being booked as Ric Flair's last match? Come on. Better than Heroes of Wrestling. <sighs> oh my god, it was it was really hard to watch. Yeah, the, uh, and Rick did win via figure four pin. Because of course he did. Uh, except Rick was also had his shoulders down because he was laying flat on his back. And <sighs> I have two notes on this to kind of wrap up this. They put out a like little hype video of like, you know, here's like, here's the event mm-hmm. as it happened. And it had some talking heads in it. One, if you believe the, the video package, he won after the brass knuckle shot. They don't show him oh. locking the figure four. They show that, and then they show the pinfall. Yeah, because he didn't really. And yeah. I, I this might just be him as a person, but they interview Eric Bischoff in this, and Eric Bischoff just has the smirk of a man saying, I told you so. Oh, God, yeah. You're telling me that uh, Eric Bischoff's a dick. <laughs> and doesn't like Ric Flair. <laughs> Come on. But the package actually did make it seem like a much better match than it was. Well, I guess that's good. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it, it wasn't. This match should never happen again. It doesn't matter who the person is. I can see Terry, someone like Terry Funk wanting to do this. They apparently already approached Booker T and like, you want to do that? And he's like, nah, I'm good. Booker T's still young enough that I think he could do it, but I don't think he should. Yeah, I think they went to they went to Booker T and DDP, I want to say, are the two like, that have been like rumored to kind of be like... Okay, but DDP is known to have taken care of himself and his health. Yeah, but both of them are like... No, no, I'm good. I don't want to. Yeah. I am really glad that um, Undertaker and Mick Foley were in the audience. I don't think Bret Hart would do this, so I'm not really that worried F- about Foley him. Foley can't wrestle anymore. Foley, Foley can barely take a bump. I know, but I can see him seeing that, like, damn, wouldn't it be nice well, to get in there Brett, one more time? Bret kind of had this that match already. Just, um Although, Jesus, that, that's, that's probably a two-star match compared to uh, the Ric Flair match. It was him versus Vince, where, um, by more or less law, Bret wasn't allowed to bump. <laughs> due to like like insurance payouts on yeah. the Lloyds of London thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember this. Um, he would go on to win the US title uh, uh, by not taking a bump. But. God. but no, it's good for those kinds of like one last ride sort of guys to see this. Like, no, your last ride was your last ride. Yeah. 
anyway, let's move back to uh, 2008 and let's get back into a match where Je- Ric Flair might not die. <laughs> he also might not retire because that, that's kind of the whole thing with this. Where... Yeah. Yeah. Why don't wrestlers do that? Like go out on a high note. Like, why does it have to be like if I lose, I'm forced into retirement? Like it, it's why? A, it's a wrestling tradition of you put you put somebody else over on the way out. That way, it's not oh they won and so so now like you've made the guy you faced lesser. And now you're gone. I guess that's fair. Now, the general rule that was created for this, uh, it was back in like November. It was, if Ric Flair loses a match, he must retire. Like Mm -hmm. there. The end. It can be a random match on Raw. He's done. There is an exception to that. Ric Flair lost on the SmackDown before WrestleMania. Oh. It was a cage match between, it was like a handicapped like tag team cage match. And Undertaker came out. And Edge escaped the cage, and Edge won. But earlier than I, Edge was like, "Yeah, um, you can still do your match on Sunday if I win." Like clearly, they they had a plan for the for the. I don't know why they did the match. That's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, he lost the match on SmackDown, and they just they just like preempted by going, "Okay, this one doesn't count towards that." And it was like Edge. Why? It was like Edge who said it too. I'm like, what? Dumb. So, what do you think of the video package for this? I mean, I thought it was good. I thought the whole lead up to this was good. I don't... Yeah, the uh, I think the, the the main line from the song is what everyone was saying when Ric Flair's last match was was announced. Mm-hmm. Just leave the memories alone, Rick. Yes. How many? I meant to look this up prior to this conversation. How many quote unquote last matches has Ric Flair had? Less than Terry Funk. That's fair. That's fair. Because I don't think in WWE they've done besides this one. Technically, you could say at any of the career-threatening matches were his la- were his last match. No, I mean like a match that he lost and was like, "I'm done." I don't think he ever did it in WWE. Okay. The closest you could come is he did a loser leaves town match with Kurt Hennig, but that's that's you leaving the company, not you. Yeah. Retiring. Okay. I honestly did think it was more. He he does a bunch in WCW. Mm-hmm. I think that's why. Yeah. Oh, and before we move on from uh, the video package. The uh, the old yeller line just hit a little harder. Oh hit a little harder now, and I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> Rick, stop. Everybody loved the dog, but when the dog went bad, you got to take him out back and take care of him. Before Rick comes out of the ring, they have Mike Adamly interview him, future Raw general manager. Really? Yeah. Oh. So he's here to interview Ric Flair. He asks Rick for his game plan, and Rick's game plan is pretty simple: to be the man. And I liked Rick's line, but I would have changed one thing. Bring in Gene. Gene's not doing anything in wrestling at this point, to my knowledge. He's not in TNA. It would have been nice, especially because Charles Robinson's the ref in this. Yes. It would have been nice to just, like, get the band back together. <laughs> I do want to tell you, I hope you enjoyed watching Shawn Michaels in this match. Why? I don't think we'll see him on the podcast again. Really? He's not in WCW. He well, does, I know. He doesn't, even in our, in our current post-WCW, like, lineup, it's not anything Shawn's doing. And Sean's not wrestling in uh, at WrestleMania 16 or 17, so hmm. minus my bonus episode, I don't know when the fuck you're going to see Sean Michaels wrestle on the podcast again. Well, all right. I think realistically, the next time uh, we will mention Sean Michaels on the podcast in a like in a watch through sense is when he joins the NWO in WWE. Good God! Noted here, Little Nate is the referee, and the match starts. They trade hammerlocks and to flare hip tosses Michaels and struts. Flair yells old yeller at HBK, so Michaels slaps him, and he's like, all right, if you want it, you got Let's it. Let's do it. It was like, I was trying to have some fun. He was like, all right, fuck you, old man. Flair and Michaels trade hard chops. 
Yeah, they called it a chop fest later on. Flair throws Michaels off the top rope and then goes up top himself. Michaels goes to stop him, like always. Like, yep, that, that's the Ric Flair spot. But Flair fights him off and hits a top rope crossbody. And it's like, oh, fuck. That's how, you, that's how you know he's done. Oh, yeah. And the crowd pops for it. Even Jerry Lawler's like, holy shit. <laughs> he fucking hit it. Flair goes for a figure four early and gets pushed to the floor. Sean goes for a springboard moonsault press from the apron, mm-hmm. but Flair dodges it and HBK lands ribs first on the edge of the table. Yeah, that did not look fun. No. I. The thing is, I don't know what he expected. Yeah. Considering you know Flair's going to move, wh- how are I mean, you hoping yeah. to land? That's fair. I mean, you're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah. Best case scenario, you went a little further and then I guess like you go through and your face probably hits the fucking edge. Like, ironically, that's probably your best case scenario. So thanks to this, Flair starts working over the back of Michaels. He hits a butterfly suplex at one point. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Didn't know you did that, bud. Then hits a stalling suplex, which gets a nice round of applause from the crowd. Michaels hits a swinging neck breaker and then dumps Flair to the floor. He goes up to the top rope and hits a moonsault press onto Flair onto the floor. <laughs> on Flair on the floor. Yeah, he clearly did not learn his lesson, although I guess Flair, uh, no. Flair mostly caught him for this one. Yeah, thankfully. Back in the ring, Sean hits his flying forearm and kips up. Hits a diving elbow and then starts to tune up the band, but can't bring himself to hit the kick. Flair can, and he yeah, and he trips up Michaels and, and then locks him in the figure four. It's hard because I'm like, I get why Sean is kind of like grappling with terms of this because, you know, it's bigger for him. But Flair keeps coming at him. Like, just go for it at this point, man. Like, I know it's sad, but do it. Well, that, by the way, you literally just described the story of this match. I know. I know. <laughs> but he just keeps having those glimmer, like, those moments of, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like, well, I think what it is is he's getting swept up in in the fight. And yeah. then and then just, he's just the moments of clarity are like, oh, wait, shit. This is my friend and I'm retiring him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It's yeah. just, like... Do the match, man. Do the match and then have the sentimental. Sean reverses the pressure, but Flair gets the ropes. They then trade pin spots and Sean goes to bridge and he just, I think it's because of the, uh, the, the table spot. He cannot he do the bridge. Up, no. Yeah. It was one of those like, oh crap, just quickly kick out. Sean does his turnbuckle spot and Flair hits a rough looking chop block. Flair gets the figure four on again and Flair rolls through the counter, but HBK gets the ropes. Flair keeps stomping the knee of Michaels, who then gets up using the ropes and hits an almost instinctual sweet shin music. Yeah, it did kind of feel like he didn't think about it. He just kind of did it. But Ric Flair kicks out it too. Sean then goes to tune up the band again, but Ric Flair is down. It's like, no, you need to fucking get up. <laughs> when he's trying to get Flair up, Flair grabs the ref and does a sneaky low blow to Sean. Sneaky. And I'm like, it's little Nate. You could have just low blowed him. He's not yeah, going to Yeah, he's not going to DQ you. <laughs> In the moment, I feel good for Charles Robinson. It's like you're getting to referee your hero's last match. Exactly. Like it would it would have been a lovely moment. It would have been beautiful. Yeah. Not not Charles Robinson's be- best moment of the night, though. We'll get to that later. Oh, I know. You're gonna get mad at me. <laughs> you're fucking MVP. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. God damn it. We need I'm... to make T-shirts that say "We'll get there." I swear. Back to the match. Michaels locks in an inverted figure four. The crowd boos. Like he is toeing the line well here. Of like. Wrestling as the heel for this match, but not in a way that, like, turns him permanently into a heel. Oh, yeah. He's not coming off as a heel in this. Like, sure, he's doing the heel side of it all, but, like, yeah. he's he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. It's almost like Shawn Michaels is really fucking good at wrestling. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Flair gets the ropes and pulls off the bottom turnbuckle pad. While Nage is distracted, Flair pokes HBK in the eyes to break the hold. 
The two trade some hard chops, and then Flair hits several in a row, which prompts another desperation sweet chin music. I think this might have been where they called it a chop fest. I just like that phrasing. Sean starts to tune up the band and stops to look at a weakened Ric Flair getting up. I love the storytelling aspect of it, but Sean is making you come off as weak. It makes him look weak. Flair tells him to do it, and Sean says, I'm sorry. I love you. That was a beautiful moment. I will give you that. But that's like a historic moment. Everyone's seen that. Bit. Yeah. Hits Sweet Chin Music, pins Ken. Ric Flair, retiring him forever. That last... Forever. <laughs> forever. No, that last bit, that was a beautiful moment. And that that wasn't, you know, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. That was two buddies, like two friends. I, I, I don't know their actual names. <laughs> you were going to do a... This isn't CM Punk talking to Triple H. This, this is, is Phil, Phil Brooks talking, talking to Paul, Paul Levesque. Yeah, exactly. Sean cradles Flair's head and thanks him. And then leaves like he does not. No, he cel- doesn't stick around. No. You know, he doesn't even celebrate. I don't think he, like I don't think he, I don't even think he raised his hand. To. Yeah, no. It's, but, but also he left. I I will also respect him. He left the match quickly so that Flair could have his his moment in the light. Yeah, Flair gets a standing ovation on his way out, and that is the match. Emily, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I've seen this match a couple of times before. It's a beautiful match. Yeah, like it's it's tainted with twenty twenty two, but. It's a beautiful match in the moment. Yeah, this is to me a fantastic match. It really it, is. It's one of my favorites. It's it's such a good showing from both men, and the storytelling within it is unparalleled. You don't need to know anything about the build to this match. No, it is a perfect match for what it is. Yes, I mean, I think Ric Flair is like fifty eight here. Mm-hmm. This is the best best possible match Ric Flair could put on at this point, yes. and it's a great match. It is. It really truly is. Like, there's there's nothing else you could ask from this. People always say wrestling isn't just wrestling. It's the story behind it. And you did not need to know anything going into this match because the story is told in the ring. And that is not something that you get out of every match. And we should really laud it when we see it. Yeah. I do find it almost bizarre, considering the like the age gap here, that Sean retires two years later. I know. It's crazy that both of them never wrestled again. That's wild. Especially Sean. Like, Sean just never... He, like, actually retired and never came back, especially not, like, a year later. No, it wasn't a year. Especially not six months later. No. Especially not two months later. No, How no. fucking soon does no. he come back? Oh, no, no, no. It's like it's like 10 years. Oh, okay. I thought um, you were going the opposite direction. Yeah. No matter how much, um, you know, WWE or, you know, some some country would have thrown at him, he, he never wrestled again. He goes to Saudi Arabia. What? No. What? No. <laughs> and it totally wasn't a letdown of a match. Of course he went to Saudi Arabia. Ooh. Ooh, that's that. no. We're not watching this. On no, I was gonna. I was gonna say there's less negligence in that one, but based on expectations, that might be that might be a worse match than the Ric Flair one. There's not wrestlers' health negligence, but there's political negligence and <laughs> image negligence. Yeah. Well, we we go from uh, two men who we wish had stayed retired to a man we are happy to see not have stayed retired. Because next up is a Todd Grisham interview with Edge. I didn't write down this segment. I thought you were going right into the Playboy match. Oh. Like, who are you lauding? <laughs> so Edge cuts a, a pretty nice promo here. It's it's simple, but um, he's talking about how like he's like you know he's able to make history tonight, and it's like we've already seen history, and you know I want to like take you back to when I you know I I was a fan. I went to WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and like you I know my favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. And you know what happened when I went to WrestleMania? Hulk Hogan lost. And like, and it crushed, it crushed, it like stole my innocence. <laughs> I was like, all right, man. A little, a little you dramatic. had me and you lost me. <laughs> a little dramatic. 
And so tonight he wants to crush children's spirits is what he verbatim. <laughs> I love Edge so much. I love I love this. This is peak Edge to me. This yeah. era. Which is this is he a hunkier? <sighs> no. No. I don't like his hair in this era. It no? all comes down oh, to I the, like it way better. It comes down to the hair for me. It has it has a lot more volume than and like that's 2002. Why I don't like, that's oh. why I don't like it. Oh, I think it looks awful in 2002. But he's also a little bit more hunky in 2002. Here he just he looks I don't know, he's filled out a little bit. He's he's grown up well, a little bit, he's filled out. He his hair looks like he washed it, which like is a good thing well, for him. Well, like, ironically, he uh, it either looks fluffy or he has the raven haircut. Yes, and I don't like that. Post interview, we get uh, we get halfway through Pyro, which is basically <laughs> stop being sad. Come on, get hype. All right, we're hype. Okay, everything's fine. Your hero didn't just get murdered in the ring. It's fine. Yeah, I I did think this probably could have and should have gone on later. The Playboy match? No, the the, the Flair Michaels oh, match. Yeah, probably that could have been like right before the main event. Yeah. So let's move on to. And a match which Emily has a lot of feelings about. It is the Playboy Bunny Mania Lumberjack Tag Team Match. I did take note of, they did call them Lumberjacks and not Lumberjills, which they would eventually do. Ew, I hate that. The match itself is Ashley Massaro and Maria versus Melina and Beth Phoenix with Santino Morella. Apparently, Candice Michelle was supposed to be in the Ashley role, but uh, she got hurt or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> But this is the fourth or fifth year of, if you do Playboy, you get a WrestleMania match. What the fuck? Yeah. So, okay, now I'm even more confused. The quote-unquote lumberjacks around the ring. Are those Playboy bunnies or are they divas? They are divas. I don't think at this point any of them had posed for Playboy. I know, I think Maurice will at some point. That doesn't surprise me. But... Good for her. Maria posed for Playboy fairly recently and Ashley posed the year before... But are they wrestlers? Yes. Maria and Ashley. Yeah. Oh, they're... Are are under WWE contracts. Yes. Ashley wrestled Melina for the women's title last year. I was under the impression the entire time when I was watching this match, which is probably why I was... I was, I was offended watching this match, and now I feel dumb. I was under the impression the entire time watching this, it was two wrestlers versus two bunnies. I mean, technically they are. No, I mean like bunnies for a living. Yeah, but... Um, I didn't recognize any of the women on the outside. I didn't recognize the two women that weren't Melina and Beth. I thought you, they were all Playboy bunnies. Okay, I guess, and I confirmed that I was correct on all ten of the uh, Lumberjacks. Oh, God, okay. They are in evening gown attire, and they really don't get any close-ups. No. Because it is a fucking crime that the first person here does not have a match. Uh, Mickey James is out there. Oh, really? Eve, Michelle McCool, Cherry, who is the manager for Deuce and Domino... Who apparently was on roller skates the whole time. I don't know any of the names you just said. Uh, Victoria. Okay. Maurice. Okay. Layla. Mm. Kelly Kelly. Okay. And um, Katie Lee Burchill, who I have to remind you, I've mentioned on this podcast before. I don't think you remember why. Don't even know how we got to this point. Uh, Katie Lee Burchill, around this time, was paired as a manager for her brother. And it was like, every big brother wants to make their little sister happy. Ew. <laughs> yep. Would you believe they dropped that pretty quick? Oh. Yep. Ew. What little sister doesn't love her big brother? Okay. I still, I don't feel that bad about the 10 that you said that were out front because like I, yes, I would know them if they were wrestling and they were in a ring, but in it's like that, um, that how I met your mother thing where it's like the cheerleader effect. 
Oh, yeah. All the women in this together, they kind of just look like the same person. Yeah. I don't understand why they had to be in like formal wear. No, that's to be, weird. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Ugh. Uh, oh, that made me feel gross. I don't like that. Yeah. I, th- I mean, realistically. Oh, oh, I miss Jillian Hall. Um, oh, how could you there. forget Jillian? Yeah, and honestly, Kelly Kelly is the one I had to like wait for the like massive close up. Yeah, like, that's Michelle McCool. Fuck. To all the girls, is that that one? Is that Kelly Kelly? Yes. <laughs> so Snoop. God, what the fuck is this? Snoop thing? announces the lumberjacks, and it's basically in a let's all ogle them sort of way. Yeah, that's women's wrestling. Nick, Stephanie McMahon has not invented women yet. Uh. These aren't women. These are just objects. These these are just bunnies. These are just bunnies. <laughs> and they're not even bad bunnies. Oh. I, I actually, I, I wrote a note here, and I need to give him credit because he was more well-behaved than I thought. Santino. Jerry Lawler, I thought, was going to oh, be insufferable yeah. here. I didn't love his whole hero complex thing towards the end, but... Th- that might have been built to more on Raw than Maybe. I don't remember. So the heels come out. Uh, women's champion Beth Phoenix comes out to Melina's music. Uh, get used to that because so this is where I got offended because I'm like you're gonna have Beth Phoenix the Beth Phoenix I know she's not the Beth Phoenix yet fight these models like are you kidding but I guess it's better if they're actually trained wrestlers I guess it's better it's not great but it's better I'm realizing I think this is not the only time that Beth Phoenix wrestles a Wrestlemania match and does not come out to her own music that's so sad sorry Wrestlemania tag team match I should say too it's very specific all right, let's let's power through this. And I, ironically, I say that because the power issues for this show start during the heels entrance. You can actually see. I did the, not notice them until they like went out, went out. Oh yeah, you you can see the little, little minitrons on the stage are acting up. Yeah. Match starts. We get an early Hurricane Rana from Ashley. Maria throws Melina to the floor, and the women have to figure out how to try to wrestle in heels and formal attire. They're not trying very hard. Maria hits a sad Bronco Buster. I can't believe you're even trying to do play-by-play in this, because what's the point, man? Ashley manages to hit a head scissor on Melina and then hits a face buster from the second rope. Melina throws Ashley into Beth, who catches her with with a bear hug. Beth and Melina try an assisted moonsault, where, like, Melina's like, I'm going to, like, roll off the back of you, and almost lands on her neck. Melina wants to do a cool rope-assisted leg choke, but the ref is already at three when she, like, gets the move in, and I'm like, yeah. like let her do the move. Yeah. Like, it's a decent move. Let her do it. Maria gets the, quote, hot tag, and the, and the lights go out. <laughs> so when the lights went out, I wasn't paying attention to the other power issues. I thought there was a wardrobe malfunction. No, no. I thought, like, a tit popped out. No. And they couldn't think of what to cut to to, like, be safe, so they were just like, fuck it, all the power out. They, even the lights were like, I didn't fuck this match. I mean, I don't yeah, know. we're done. <laughs> I'm staying on for this. So they just, like, keep going yeah. through this. I mean, like, um, power to them. Like, good for them for not stopping. Well, I mean, like, you could have waited for this. Like, the ref could have been like, okay, hold. Let's no, it's real, Nick. Yeah. You can't just stop a fight in the middle of a fight. The referee can. This is shoot. Even shoot refs can can stop to check on something. Well, they didn't think that this was worth it to stop. Like, yeah. People it, didn't buy the tickets. For uh, they they moved to the uh, the spotlights hitting the ring in case you were curious what it was. Because you, you could actually see them not being yes. the most steady. Yeah. Beth goes for her finisher, but Maria counters with a bulldog. Beth accidentally spears Melina to the floor and then... Ashley sadly splashes onto them. It was a real weak-looking move. Yeah, well, she's 90 pounds soaking wet, so it's not like she's got a lot of power behind her. Yeah. In the distraction, Maria hits a diving bulldog, but Santino breaks up the pin. Jerry Lawler decides he's had enough of this and goes over to punch Santino. Yeah, because Jerry Lawler's the voice of reason that you want in this match. 
Beth hits a delayed fisherman suplex and gets the pin. And I'm like, thank God you had you had Beth win. Thank God. The heels barely celebrate, and Santino just stays to stand over Maria and taunt her. And then Snoop Dogg clotheslines Santino and saves Maria, and for some reason, the two kiss. Yeah. What was the point of that? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, thoughts on the match? Degrading. Not Bad. great, Bob. Horrible. As a woman, I felt sad. I am just so happy that we live in 2022, where we have Becky, we have Bailey, we have Sasha. I'm still counting Sasha because she's still in my heart. We have these good wrestlers. We have Charlotte. We have a we have a women's division that could sell its own show, and they're good, and they're not degrading. People are gonna give you shit for just naming the four horsewomen and no one I- else. Don't care. No Oscar. No Alexa Bliss. No, no I'm going, Shayna. Oh, actually, Shayna. Oh, I don't want to twi- Shayna. Twitter's going to eat you live for not mentioning Liv. I'd rather Alexa over Liv. Sorry. No, I mean, we have we have a women's division that is fantastic. Yes, Oscar. Remember Kyrie? I fucking loved Kyrie. We have a women's division now that could sell their own pay-per-view and not have men on it, and it would still make it would still sell. I'm just so happy that we have what we have now. It, that wouldn't have come to fruition if it wasn't for these women. So, like, thank you, I guess. But, like, God, I'm so sorry. No, thanks. Thanks, some of them. You know, thank, thank all of thank them. Thank Beth. Thank you, Beth. Fuck. Thank you, Melina. I don't care. So let's let's move on from that to uh, our WWE title match. Not the main event. I did note that this is the only the fifth time that the WWE champion did not main event WrestleMania, and ironically, the the guy who main evented. Two of those WrestleManias over the WWE champion is Triple H, who's in, the, he's in this match. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't love this match. I know, right? It's, I, I thought it was good. It's not great. It's fine. It's missing some sort of special sauce, and I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, there's something that's not in it. I think also part of it is, at the time, it felt like a foregone conclusion that Randy was losing. I didn't get that so much... It was just like I didn't care who won. Well, I mean, you, I'm saying at the time, like you, oh, you, know, you can even tell. Like they posted the results of the one poll, and it's like mm. no one thinks Randy's gonna win, which but, is sad. But I mean, these three, I feel like they can just like toss the title around and be like, "Oh, now it's your turn. Now it's you. Now it's me. Now it's you." Well, that's like, basically what they've been doing. I, for yeah, the past. exactly. That's why I just I don't care because they're gonna whoever loses is gonna get it back. They'll be okay. Uh, spoilers: Randy will lose the title next month to one of these two men. Shocking. So a marching band comes out and plays Let Freedom Ring until he, they transition into John Cena's entrance song. Okay. This is what I have a lot to say about, unfortunately. All right. I need you to, I need, I, I'll give you two minutes. You got to keep it short. Do you know the John Cena meme where the kid's playing the recorder and he's playing two recorders and he plays the John Cena? That's better than the, the marching band. That sounded better than the marching band. This marching band sucked. I don't know if they were just, they were mic'd poorly or what, but they sounded awful and it minimized John Cena's entrance. That's all I could think of. I'm sorry. It did look like the the, the ring lights are still off a bit yes, when John enters, but that. but they're better. Triple H's entrance looked off too in terms of like the Minitron when, when he came out because they kept coming in and then going back out. Randy comes out, has his better theme, but doesn't do the arm thing. So which I'm is sad. sad. He should never stop doing the arm thing. He just walks out, comes out, raises the title, and I'm just like, yeah, that's not it. Yeah. As soon as the bell rings, Randy hits Triple H with the title. Triple threat, so no DQ. Okay. John hits a bulldog and then a fisherman suplex. Triple H locks in a sleeper and Cena picks up both men for the FU, but Triple H slips out and low blows Cena. Orton hits his backbreaker and I was thinking about that move. He stopped doing that at some point. I don't really get why. wonder if he was injuring people. 
What if he's hurting himself? Maybe. Orton stomps all around the ring on both men and then hits a knee drop on both men. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those stomps really aren't a thing yet. Like, that would become, like, a, a go-to thing for him. Like, the stomp on each body part. And that's just, like, not really in full effect yet. It's yeah. Like, Randy goes up top but gets caught. They tease a Tower of Doom spot, but Triple H walks away with John Cena on his shoulders. Orton hits a top rope crossbody, but John rolls through, holding on to Orton. Triple H tries to break up the FU again, but Cena kicks him with Orton on his shoulders, but Orton slips out. Randy hits his, his rope-hanging DDT to both men at the same time, a move that was enjoyed so much, the lights came back on mid-move. Yeah. They, like, cut to like, both men on the ground, and then you, like, cut back to the wide shot, like, oh, lights are on. Orton gets into RKO position, but Cena counters it by throwing Orton onto Triple H. We get a throwback, and then a diving Famouser, and an STFU attempt from Cena, but Orton bails. Triple H works over the leg of Orton, but gets distracted with Cena, and Orton hits an RKO on Triple H. But his body falls out of the ring, so he, Orton can't pin him. Cena gets the STFU on Orton. Triple H recovers and pulls Orton close to the ropes and then takes out Cena. Triple H then locks in a weird leg submission. They're like, oh, it's like an Indian deathlock. It's not. It's but not. <laughs> it's like it. Cena locks in an STFU on Orton again. Triple H comes in and has to like pull John off of Randy. And then locks in a crossface. This is the first WrestleMania. Post, I was thinking that. Post Benoit. I was thinking that. That's kind of in really poor taste. Yeah, for some reason, him and Shawn Michaels were like, nah, we'll still do it. No one else did it, just those two. Weird. Don't like it. Bad. Like, like, bad. Bad, bad, I'm bad. Like, is it because you made a vented WrestleMania with them? Like, do you feel. Is it like in honor? But like, don't. Uh, why? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if it's like in honor or like, uh, you know, we're just taking it back as. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it felt weird, regardless. Yeah, it's one of those where, at the time, especially, you do a crossface, especially that, that close, people think Chris Benoit. Yeah. Especially when you're in a fucking triple threat match this at is WrestleMania. What, less than a year later? Yeah. Yeah, no. Cena gets to the ropes, and then the two do the boo-yay spot. Yeah. I love the audience goes along with those, those spots, too. Ends with Cena's shoulder blocks, and then a spin-out powerbomb, followed by the five-knuckle shuffle, which I never really thought about. That means jerking off. Does it? Apparently. I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense. I guess, but I don't. I don't associate knuckles with jerking off. Well, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> they trade finisher counters until Triple H hits his face buster and, and a spine buster. Randy Orton goes to come in, but Triple H takes out his leg. Cena goes for the fu, but Triple H gets out, hits the pedigree, goes to pin Cena, but Randy Orton hits his punt on Triple H and pins oh. Cena to retain the title. So the punt gets outlawed, right? Yes, the punt at this point had already. It had taken at least two people off of TV, maybe more. Yeah, I saw him do that. I was like, what are you doing? Triple H is stirring and is like, it goes almost goes to break up the pin. And I'm like, you're holy shit, you're going to fucking kill that move. What yeah. the fuck? They do try to save it by saying, oh, I don't think he got all of it. Because mm. Orton pinned Cena, not Triple H. Yeah. But like they wrote off Shawn Michaels. They, RVD was getting, getting released. So they're like, all right, we'll have Orton come out and kill you. Yeah. And yeah, Triple H just immediately is up and is like, oh, guess I lost. But I know what you mean. This, yeah, this match is... It was missing something. I don't know what it was missing, but it was something. Would you say it's missing JBL? No. Because that's the uh, main event of the next pay-per-view. It's these three and JBL in an elimination four-way match. That's dumb. Don't... No, that's not what it's missing. Like, it's somewhere between fine and good. I think just the... Expe- it's cookie cutter, the, the ex- Yeah, the expectations for a WWE title match at WrestleMania are higher than what they gave. Yeah. Yeah, like, put this on Backlash, and I think people would like it a little better. It's yeah. just, it's not as grandiose. 
And like these are already guys that I'm kind of over anyway, so yeah, and I mean, it doesn't help. And coming in, the feud itself was kind of bizarre. I should talk about this at the start, but Orton won the title from Triple H back in like October after Cena got hurt, and they like fully flipped the titles back and forth mm-hmm. on that pay per view. Cena came back, won the Royal Rumble, and is like, "I'm not gonna do WrestleMania. I'm I want my title shot at No Way Out." And then Orton intentionally got got DQ'd, which, you know, smart on him. I guess, yeah. So, yeah, then it was a whole thing of, like, okay, Triple H won Elimination Chamber, so he's going to face Randy Orton. And, all right, Cena, you now need to beat one of these men to get in the match. And then it was, like, all right, each is going to be the GM for a week going into in, into this. So they, mm-hmm. like, picked matches for each other. They actually did John and, and Randy versus the whole roster. Jeez. And by the whole roster, I mean... It was all the mid-carters because, you know, Sean wasn't coming out for that. <laughs> the only only two names to note were Umaga and JBL. Umaga. But, yeah, it just, like, it wasn't a super hot feud coming in. No. And so they didn't have much to go with it. But, I mean, luckily, next year when they do Triple H versus Randy Orton, it totally lives up to expectations and won't get overshadowed by a Shawn Michaels match earlier in the night. Really? Oh, God. Who's he facing for that one? Uh, that's the Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match that's potentially considered oh. the, the greatest, you know, yeah. WWE match ever. of course. But let's move on to our celebrity match for the night. It is The Big Show versus Floyd Money Mayweather. For whatever reason, Peacock decided to cut out the video package for this one. I went back and I didn't find, I, I didn't notice the cut. Oh, it's, it's incredibly obvious Because they showed the video package twice earlier in the the show so i don't understand why they would cut it here they I mean they, sh- they showed the tail of the tape they didn't have the full video package because why are why are these two fighting because he's available tonight yeah no there was <laughs> there was more than that in a weird segment ray mysterio lost to edge at the last pay-per-view uh big show returned after being gone for about a year and a half and floyd mayweather was in the front row and big show started to like bully ray mysterio so mayweather came in and uh broke big show's nose for real Oh, shit. We got a Shane McMahon sighting during that, too. Everyone was like, what the fuck? Oh. So that's pretty much the the crux of it. When the big show's coming out, Lillian Garcia notes, you can win by knockout. I'm like, I wonder how this one's going to end. Yep. We get a very badly dubbed theme for Mayweather, which probably actually answers the question of why the Peacock thing got, got cut. Yeah, there must have been something there. Some music. Big show is technically the heel in this match, but you wouldn't know it. Right off the bat, this match felt weird and out of place. So that's kind of like the vibe I got even going into it. Yeah. It just felt strange. Speaking of out of place and strange, very long shorts on Floyd Mayweather. I don't think you can call them shorts. I think those are just pants. They they were like Capri level. There's a there's a name for those kinds of pants. Are they gaucho pants? I don't know. That might be it. Yeah, they don't look good. I hate them. They don't they are not my friend. I don't like them. The story of this match is that Big Show will basically kill Floyd Mayweather if he gets his hands on him. Mayweather lands some shots early on and calls for a towel and his chalice. <laughs> Show rushes to them, but but only knocks the corner man off the apron, and water spills all out of the chalice. Was it blue? No, it just looked it, on the mats. It looked like a, like a weird color. Maybe it caught in the light too, because even as it was like spilling out, it looked like a color. I mean, I don't it, know. It might have been Gatorade. Yeah, was a, show pulls another guy in the ring and slaps his chest. Show catches a Mayweather fist and goes to stomp it, but just misses. Big Show catches F- Floyd Mayweather and chokes him in the corner. Mayweather hits punches and then locks in a sleeper. Big booze from the crowd as show begins to fade. Show gets out of it and stomps the fist in a lot of quotes of Floyd Mayweather. Unquote, yeah. show, show is very careful in this match, oh, of and course. I credit to him. Yeah, he like softly taps the wrist. Yeah. 
in a spot I I like the Big Show does. We get the big shh, and then the uh, chest slap. Yeah, it's just very loud, very very choppy. The Chop fest. the crowd chants one more time, but he does, he does not do it. Show then stands on Mayweather's back, and most of that uh, was that force is going into the top rope. If you can oh look. yeah. Afterwards, he side slams him. Show leg drops Mayweather's arm and then walks across him. Mayweather hits a few punches, but Big Show headbutts him and then hits an elbow drop. The few punches that Mayweather hits, though, he hits them so quick and fast, and like it's it's the the juxtaposition of the two styles is wild. Yeah, I mean he is a very good boxer. Oh, I know. I'm I know who Floyd Mayweather is. I don't know who any other boxers are, but I know him. And is he the float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, or no? That's Muhammad Ali. Okay, well, see, I know too. <laughs> Mike Tyson. Yes, he was a boxer. He doesn't have an ear. He was in The Hangover. I named a boxer earlier who you identified. Who? Evander Holyfield. He's the one who took the ear. No. Flip that. Tyson took a Holyfield's ear. Oh, I thought Tyson didn't have an ear. Remember we had uh, Judge Mills Lane show up in WCW? <laughs> yes. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Show us the crowd if they want to see one more elbow drop. They erupt, but Mayweather's posse pulls them out of the ring. Mm-hmm. And his manager's like, no, nah, we're done. We're out of here. No, nah, this is too much. You hit him too many times. Big Show gives chase, fights off the bodyguards, and brings Mayweather back. Show goes to chokeslam Mayweather, but one of his posse breaks up with a chair shot that Big Show does no-sells. So Big Show chokeslams him. We get a low blow from Floyd Mayweather, and then three chair shots to Big Show's head. Mayweather grabs brass knuckles off one of his guys who had just had it around his neck. I'm sorry, who just wears brass knuckles as jewelry around their neck? I don't know. What? He puts it on, knocks out show to booze, and that's the match. Thoughts on this one? We ran through it so fast. It was out of place. It felt kind of strange. Like, the audience was so into it, though. Yeah. Which was... I kind of but felt like But they were like into was... it for the wrong guy? Yeah. I just... I felt like I was in the wrong because I wasn't really that into it. But the crowd was so into it. I always kind of have to, like, check myself in situations like that. Well, I think part of the reason you're not into it is something I've kind of noticed recently. The vibe of the celebrity match at WrestleMania is a lot different now than it was in 2008, like, yeah. expectation-wise. If you think about the somebody who wrestled WrestleMania recently, you know... Logan Paul and I mean, Bad Bunny. Yeah, and they both did great. I mean, even just celebrities in wrestling recently... We like, shouldn't call Logan Paul a celebrity. He is. Ugh. I don't like him either, but he is. But yeah, just celebrities in wrestling, like, the bar has been raised. It has. So I think... It, this hasn't aged as well because of that. Maybe. You may be right. Like, it doesn't appear like Mayweather did any sort of training to learn anything about... No, but I don't think... He, like doesn't, he, he doesn't hit a single wrestling move. Or anything. He, he just, probably didn't think that he needed to because he's a boxer. Yeah. He's like, it's the same thing. I don't I don't know. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Yeah. It's similar enough that he can get by. Yeah. I, but, I mean, like, it, the way the match is structured, like, he, you know, it's not like, oh, shit. I mean, it, I guess it's also the big show, but, like, oh, shit, he did a suplex or, like, he, he did a drop kick or something. Like, no, it just punches. Yeah. The only thing he does that that's, like, not boxing is a chair shot and a low blow. This was a bit of fun, but I think the the bar has been raised now. So when you watch it through a 2022 lens, Definitely. you're just kind of like, okay, yeah. It was, it was okay. Let's move towards our main event. We got two little pit stops beforehand. We get a random WrestleMania ad of a guy asking a woman to marry him on the beach. And then he gets speared by Batista and she leaves with Batista. That's how uh, relationships work. Yeah. You have to spear your competitor, <laughs> and then you win his wife. And then we get Kim Kardashian out in the ring to announce the attendance. It is... 74,635. Something about that feels suspicious. Why? Maybe it's just because it's the digits 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 mixed up a little bit. 
and it ends with a five. I don't know. Just something about it. I'm like, mm. it claims to be a new Citrus Bowl record, which I don't I, think. No, I again, I believe because you can put people on the field. Oh, true. Especially here because the stage isn't that I big. Know, it felt it felt low for an all time record. I mean, stadiums only host so many seats. How many seats are in a stadium? It depends on the stadium. Oh. Again, this was a Citrus Bowl record. It was not a WrestleMania record. Yeah. Yeah, and then we very abruptly from that, like, no lead-in, go to the video package for the main event. And your main event is for the World Heavyweight Championship. It is Edge versus The Undertaker. Who you got? I know it's a giveaway, but I fucking love the video packages during, like, peak streak. Them cutting clips of Undertaker's streak all together, they just found a way to do it that makes it feel so grandiose. Mm -hmm. There's one that is my favorite. It's hard to find on the internet, but it's literally ones that would just, like, just going through the streak. Like, there's, there's nothing after that, and it's hmm. literally just, like, here's him looking like a monster in all of these matches. And it makes him feel like a, you know, indestructible monster. He is kind of an indestructible monster. During this, they, like, splice in, like, 15-1 and one for Edge claiming he's going to beat Undertaker. Yeah. And with that, Edge did some Undertaker moves on SmackDown, including... You probably missed this. Edge tombstoned Funaki. Oh. Why was he facing Funaki? Why was the world heavyweight champion facing Funaki? I mean, I can ask you why Bill Goldberg is fighting Brian Nobbs in the upcoming Nitro, but you Fair. know. But this story goes back almost a whole calendar year. I mentioned earlier that Edge won Money in the Bank from mm -hmm. Mr. Kennedy, cashed in on The Undertaker because Undertaker was hurt. Then Edge got hurt. And Undertaker and Batista were feuding over the world title again. In a Hell in a Cell match, Edge is there dressed as a cameraman. Oh, yes. And, like, inside the cell attacks both men. Yes. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, like, swerve for that. Yeah, I would I like to watch that. Or Edge wins the title in, like, a triple threat match, I think, with both of them. And then faces Rey Mysterio for two months. And Undertaker wins at Elimination Chamber. Okay. Post-Elimination Chamber, Undertaker's just been trying to get his hands on Edge, not been able to. Uh, he did manage to tombstone Vicky Guerrero, though. I saw that, yeah. I forgot about the whole Vicky Guerrero Edge marriage. I like to just like keep that out of my brain. Do you remember what wrestler debuted as the wedding planner for that? Mm -mm. Alicia Fox. Oh, you mean of um her match with Melina fame? Yeah. Wow, that's the best match I've ever seen. I think we're the only two that get that joke. <laughs> no, more people get that joke than you think. Okay, good. Now, do do you remember how the marriage ended? D Lita. No, Lita's long gone. Oh, okay. I don't know. Edge gets drafted to Raw and goes, well, you're the GM of SmackDown, so I don't need to be married to you anymore, so bye. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's a, a, great, that's that's a great, great character yeah. moment. Because like, it was incredibly obvious why. Yeah. Love a little fuckhead, Edge. You probably didn't hear that it was bullshit, but did you hear the fucking bullshit they were peddling about Edge is undefeated at WrestleMania. Yes, I did. No, Ed, Edge is... Um, when you hear that he was undefeated at WrestleMania, I heard that Undertaker has never been able to beat Edge. That's probably more likely true. Okay. I didn't hear the other part then. They said it during the video package. I don't know. And I know commentary mentioned it once or twice, but Edge lost the year before this. Yeah. That's his only loss. They might be trying to retcon something because mm. Edge was in the Money in the Bank match and got stretchered out halfway through. Oh, so, so he didn't. So they're doing the Sid thing where he didn't lose. Yeah. So it's a weird one where they count his Money in the Bank win 
from WrestleMania 21, but don't count. They don't them. count as loss. Yeah, and I'm like, is it because he left early? Maybe. Maybe. They could be retconning. We had Cole and Coach on commentary for this one. This is Coach's first solo match of the night. Uh, get the Druid entrance for The Undertaker. I love these classic entrances. This is Undertaker. They were a little far out for me because they're literally like flanking the big ass stage. It's like, I like I saw him come out and then I'm like, did they go back in? Where the fuck did they go? No, and it's a long walk. Yeah. Like you can, you can hit the skip ahead 10 seconds button and not miss much. Now- what the fuck is this no hat bullshit on The Undertaker? Yeah, he should have been wearing a hat. Like, I know he does this for a little while at this point. He just, like, goes for this new jacket, no hat look. And I'm like, no. No, when you're wearing the long jacket, you need to be wearing a hat. Well, it's the sleeveless jacket. Mm, that may be different. Edge comes out. Vicky Guerrero comes out during his entrance to kiss him good luck. Teddy Long has to wheel her out to do this. Yeah, she's in a wheelchair. I don't think she needed to be in a wheelchair. Bell rings and Taker does his throat slash. Taker drops Edge on the top rope and works him over with strikes. We had a flying clothesline from The Undertaker and then an old school attempt, but Edge counters, but Taker counters the counter. There are so many counters in this match. Yeah. So many counters. What what Pokemon move is this match? It's counter. Okay, you're done. <laughs> we got a flying knee strike to Edge in the corner, which causes Undertaker to fall to the floor, and then he sells it. I'm like, what the fuck were you doing there? <laughs> we get a spear-like move to Undertaker's back on the apron, and it sends Undertaker into the barricade. Baseball slide from Edge does the same thing. We get a twisting neckbreaker onto the rope by Edge, and Edge starts working over the midsection of the Undertaker. Taker goes to pick Edge up, but collapses due to his back. Drop kick from Edge, and then he goes up top, but gets thrown flat back onto the floor. Mm. Big dive to the floor onto Edge from The Undertaker. That's one, I want to say that's one of the last times we see that move. It's not one that I see from him often, so I was kind of shocked to see it at all. I think it's pretty much just a, like, at the bare minimum, it is a pay-per-view only move. I think it might be a WrestleMania only move. Yeah. And the next year is the one where he almost breaks his neck. So yeah. I, I think he stops doing it after that. Well, this is the kind of move. It's not identical, but this is the kind of move that the um, the Hardys do. And every time they do it, I'm like, you're going to fucking die. Mm. It's similar. Yeah. I think the Hardys usually will like. They go from higher up. Or like they'll use the ropes. Undertaker's just diving over. Yeah. It's still, it's just scary. Yeah. Did you think that the neck breaker um, on Undertaker looked kind of botchy? On the rope? Yeah. I think that's more a function of how the move works. Okay, because it just, it didn't look right. Something yeah. Something wrong. It didn't look crisp. I wouldn't say it was mm. botchy. We get the apron leg drop from The Undertaker. Back in the ring, he goes for the last ride, but his back gives out again. Edge drops Undertaker into the front row. Doesn't really do much with that. No. Just, and then brings it back in. We get a single leg Boston Crab with Edge's knee on Taker's back. Taker powers out of that, and they do the, the boo yeah spot. Undertaker wins that battle and hits Snake Eyes, but Edge dropkicks Taker before the big boot. Edge goes for the most casual flying nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't even know what he thought he was aiming for. And Undertaker catches him by the throat. Like, yeah. It's from the second rope, and he doesn't really go up. He just kind of jumps forward. He even called it a flying nothing. It was just a jumping nothing. Yeah. He didn't really fly. That isn't flying. That's just falling with style. But where was the style? Edge stops the first chokeslam attempt and then counters the second attempt into a DDT. Edge goes for the spear, but Taker gets his knee up and hits a chokeslam. Undertaker goes for old school again, but gets dropped onto the top turnbuckle, and Edge hits a superplex. Edge goes for a 10-punch spot, but gets cocky. Undertaker gets him in position for the last ride, but Edge counters with a neckbreaker. Undertaker kicks out and manages to hit a last ride, but takes too long to cover Edge, so Edge manages to kick out. Taker signals for the tombstone, but Edge counters into an Edge-O-Matic. 
It was sorry. What? It's when he's behind you and like pulls you back and sits out. An edgeomatic. Yeah. That's a dumb name. It is. I don't disagree. That's what it's called though. They stopped calling it that at some point because it was late. Because it's dumb. Yeah. Big boot from Taker and he goes for old school a third time and manages to hit it. He goes for a big boot again, but accidentally big boots the ref and Edge hits a reverse DDT. Edge taunts Undertaker while standing over him. So Taker grabs Edge by the throat, but Edge hits a low blow. Ref's down, so not a DQ. Ref is glass. Edge sees the ref is still down, so goes outside and steals a camera from a cameraman. And they, this is a direct kind of callback to yeah. Survivor Series. Edge hits Taker with the camera and goes to retrieve the ref, but accidentally pushes him further into the floor. Undertaker weakly sits up and Edge signals for the tombstone. Undertaker counters into one of his own, but the ref is still down. And who's here to save the day? Little Nage fucking books it down the ramp. He's sprinting. This man has never run so fast. I do think the best joke I've ever seen with that is Botchamania. They they do the Monty Python. They intercut him running with the Monty Python sketch where you, there, there's the knight running way off in the distance oh and then suddenly God, yeah. right there. Yeah. Amazing. It, it was. You've never seen a referee run so fast. He, Little Nage. Charles Robinson is an absolute professional. At least in WWE. Yeah, he he is legged it, and I think it's partially because of the shot they chose to show him. It just comes off hilarious. He's just zooming. He fucking zoom. Edge kicks out of the tombstone after so much time has passed. Hawkins and Ryder come down to the ring. Undertaker boots one off the apron and then choke slams the one onto the other. For life, me couldn't have told you these two's names. Yeah, I think that was just the like, okay, like they did come out to try to help him cheat. Right. Like we just need, we just needed to check that box yeah. before the finish. This strikes the Undertaker in order for Edge to hit a spear, but it only gets a two. Edge gets in the corner and then hits another spear, but takes too long to count the Undertaker and is in position to get pulled into quote that submission hold. That submission hold. Yeah. It it, it it was a weird ending to it. it like, well, it, its name now is the Hell's Gate. Oh, okay. He, he doesn't use it that often. Yeah, he uses it every now. I mean, this is the start of him using that move. Okay. He used it a couple times on television, and every time he uses it, like, his opponent, like, when, when they're done, you see he's, like, bleeding from the mouth. Like, it's meant to cause, like, internal injuries, basically, oh, is the thing. Edge actually does pop a, bl- a blood capsule after the smash. Oh, fuck. Taker locks in the, the Hell's Gate, and Edge tries to fight out, but can't get to the ropes, and eventually taps out. Undertaker is now 16-0 and at WrestleMania. Yep, and is now the World Heavyweight Champion. Woo-hoo. They cut around the blood capsule, but I think I see Charles Robinson hand it to Taker, who hands what it to Edge. What a fucking professional. My God, what a good man. But yeah, I, I, I forgot that was a thing, because like, you very casually see like blood trickling out yeah. of Edge's mouth. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Ugh. God damn, I love Charles Robinson. Uh, thoughts on the, on the match? It was a good match. Yeah. It kept me interested the whole time. It was it was very entertaining. Yeah, I think I was sleeping on this one a bit. I thought this is a really good match. I think, I remember at the time being let down by the triple threat match, and I think it kind of soured my mood mm. going into this one. Yeah, maybe. Because God forbid that was the main event. That If that triple threat was the main event, this would have been not as well revered as such a good WrestleMania. Undertaker celebrates as fireworks go off, and um, some of these fireworks go off in the crowd. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, 45 people were injured and no one died. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, no one died, though. No one died. Yikes. They go from the fireworks to the recap package, which I always thought was impressive by them, because they literally- Yeah, you always are, note this. Well, because they're cutting it as the show's going yeah. on. Every WrestleMania we watch, you know it. They're like, damn, they are, that editing bay is working fast. I do need to note- one thing about the closing video package. Cool. 
and it might have been edited like the next day for all I know. The recap package is not the same one that aired on the night. Oh. It is 99% the same. Because the, they lost power? No. Oh. I remember it bothered me because I used to be, as, as a kid, I was obsessed with these recap packages. Because also, it's a way to watch WrestleMania in four minutes. And I remember something was off about the Undertaker Edge clips they used. And I couldn't identify it. And as an adult, I know what it was. All the other clips have the same kind of filter on them. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have time to render the filter on the Edge Undertaker clips. Just something looked off about, like, you know, the frame rate or whatever. And it was like, oh, that's what it was. That's what's more impressive than anything to me is that they get all this cut together and rendered and exported and posted within yeah. just minutes in, in, in my brain they're always like they're going like full screen and just like sharing the screen from like they don't even export it it's Maybe. just it's just like the, the preview i don't know i'd love to hear more about that but um that's gonna do it for wrestlemania 24 emily thoughts on the show as a whole i'm really glad we ended up touching this one like thank you stephanie for suggesting this this show this is such a great show to go back to yeah this was this, this was a very good show i the second half is I feel like WrestleMania like always has that weird like first half second half problem. Oh yeah. Yeah, the second half kind of gets started with the Playboy match and then the underwhelming triple threat and then Big Show Mayweather and, yeah. the, and, and then a great main event. But it's, it's just like a yeah, it's just a weird kind of lull there in the the third quarter. In <laughs> the third quarter, yeah. This is a long show. Long wrestling shows can't help but have a lull. I, I was and I was thinking about this and I went back and looked because I was like. This is probably a top 10 WrestleMania, not a top 5 WrestleMania. And then I looked and I went, shit, maybe it is top 5. Maybe. What blew my mind is in the underwhelming triple threat match, I looked it up to see like if my opinion about the marching band was, you know, mirrored. Everyone's like, no, this is like top 2 best Cena entrances ever. Like, fucking really? This sucked. I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, they were stuff. terrible. I'm sorry. But uh, It might have just been the way the microphones were. The band might be wonderful, but they did not sound good. Anyway. Yeah, I think this is probably right around the number five mark for WrestleManias. I mean, my my hot take, WrestleMania is overrated and usually underdelivers. We're literally going to WrestleMania. And it's probably gonna underdeliver. I'm spending a lot of money to go to WrestleMania, don't fucking say that. But let's move into best bit and MVP. Okay. Emily, what is your best bit? I'm giving it to the Money in the Bank match. Money in the Bank match. Yeah. That was so fun. That was such a I'm used to, in this day and age, there being a Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So when they just kind of come out of nowhere, I love a ladder match. And this is a really good one. Yeah, I think I, I think I still like it better as part of WrestleMania, but I get why it's its own show. Yeah. What was your best bit? Uh, I'm giving it to the Ric Flair retirement match. The 2022 yeah. one. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, the, the Shawn Michaels Ric Flair one. It's probably bias. I kind of knew that was probably going to be it going in. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I, I, I was sleeping on the main event a little more than I should have. The main event definitely is honorable mention. Yeah. And then who is your MVP? Oh, Charles Robinson. Do not, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, do not give it to Charles Robinson. No, I'm not going to give it to Charles Robinson. Though he deserves it for the work he put in. No, it's obviously Shawn Michaels. Okay, yeah. Obviously I, it's Shawn Michaels. Yes. <laughs> I'd give it honorable mention. In, to Charles Robinson. Well, and uh, as I mentioned before, Sheldon Benjamin did a great job in it, while he was still in that match. He did, yeah. Like, the first half of that match is about him. 100%. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm glad he, he's getting some sort of recognition for it. Yeah. But it's it's Shawn Michaels for uh, 
We, we've seen what a Ric Flair retirement match can be without Shawn Michaels. Yes. I am wondering, now that Triple H is in charge, are they going to do one last Shawn Michaels match? Ugh. I mean, I... I, I wouldn't th- be surprised, but I, they shouldn't. At this point, I'd prefer it to that something else be his last match and not the Saudi tag match. I agree, but they shouldn't. I mean, they just watched what could happen at a last match. Like, no, there should not be a one last ride match. Sorry, I, I'm, I am expecting a little hubris from the man who has the nickname the King of Kings. Yeah. I think this era is going to be way better with Triple H, but it's going to be a lot of the same. But with all that, we've been going for a while, so let's uh, let's get out of here. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at Butts Seats Podcast. You can also listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, I didn't say Amazon podcast. You did but not, yeah. I don't. I mean, if you listen there, good, good on you. I don't, I don't know anybody who does, but we're still there. We're there. And iHeartRadio. Yeah, may, maybe listen to the last WCW episode because it's been a little while since we put that one out. And to recap what we said at the very beginning, if you guys want to go and support Stephanie, who made this episode possible, um, her Twitch stream that she has titled Chemo Patient vs. the World, Fuck You Cancer, is happening on September 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time. And we will be posting the link to that Twitch stream as well as her donation link in the description to this podcast, as well as on all of our social media. Yes, go thank her for not picking Ric Flair's last match as the uh, as the pay-per-view. Oh my god, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, would, I would have had a hard time with that conversation and been like, like Listen, I love can you. Can you pick anything else? <laughs> <laughs> just, just delete the Twitter, create a new one, just delete the conversation. Like, no, what are you talking about? But yeah, definitely if you can, pop into that Twitch stream, show her some love, show her some support. But other than that, yeah. All right. So uh, our next episode will be, will actually be the September 20th, 1999 Monday Nitro. Emily has watched it. I've watched <laughs> half of it. We'll be recording that within the week and it's getting a, it out. It's a very rare moment when I am ahead of Nick in the watching. I was in Big Sky, Montana. <laughs> I know, but I'm never ahead of you. But until whatever the hell happens on that show that Emily already knows, but she'll never tell. <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Buts and Seeds Podcast. Bye.